What the hell is this? But that's light beer. Gee, I weigh 90 goddamn pounds, and you bring me this slopping foe? <laughs> Harry's got me on a diet because the doc said my cholesterol's a little too high. Well, let me tell you something now, Johnny. Last Thursday, I turned 95 years old. Yeah. And I never exercised a day of my life. Huh. Every morning, I wake up and I smoke a cigarette. And then I eat five strips of bacon. And for lunch, I eat a bacon sandwich. And for a midday snack... Bacon. Bacon, a whole bacon. damn plate. And I usually drink my dinner. Now, according to all of them flat-belly experts, I should have took a dirt nap like 30 years ago. But each year comes and goes, and I'm still here. <laughs> and they keep dying, you know? Sometimes I wonder, God forgot about me. <laughs> it just goes to show you, huh? What? Huh? Goes to show you what? Well, it just goes, what the hell are you talking about? Well, you said you drink beer, you eat bacon, and you smoke cigarettes, and you outlive most of the experts. Yeah? I thought maybe there's a moral. No, there ain't no moral. I just... Like that story. Three minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of five, and this the month of April, the year of our Lord, 2009. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. Live from the plushly appointed and whimsy-filled studios of Rock 101 KUFO, this is the Rick Emerson Radio Show. It is Wednesday morning, and good morning to you. It is Wednesday, April 1st, 2009. Thank you for joining us. It is 503-733-2970. If you would like to be part of today's program telephonically, 503 733 2970. 503-733-2970. Richie Bristol is standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, the absurd, the slack job, the obtuse. I was going to insert some reference to the Osbournes here, but there's really just, there's no way that I could even come up with uh, sufficient adjectives to describe that show last night, except to say that well, first of all, did anybody, am I the only one in the room that watched it? I say knowing that that's the case. Yes. I did not watch it. All right. I did not watch it. <laughs> it's, it was quite something. I'll put it that way. I, first of all, it seemed like it started at around 9.25 and not so much at 9. I mean, maybe I was wrong because, you know, I wasn't watching it live. I was watching it sort of time shifted uh, on the TV. And by the way, I lost sleep because of Ozzy Osbourne, because Ozzy and Sharon Osbourne, I stayed up later than I should have just so I could watch what has to be one of the most astoundingly, appallingly, jaw-droppingly, mind-numbingly awful things I have ever seen on television. And that's, and really, and I'm not just saying that for the sake of, I'm not trying to be hyperbolic. I mean, it was bad. It was bad. It was so bad that I was embarrassed for everyone involved. I was embarrassed for myself. You're embarrassed for everybody but Sharon Osbourne because she's so clearly evil. 
I mean, the, I mean, I guess I, not that so I wouldn't. Is this the one, the little Osborns? No, no. Well, that's just part of it, Sarah. That's just one little slice in the loaf of bread that is Osborns Reloaded. Big world, little Osborns. <laughs> exactly. Big world, little audience. Um, so, well, we'll talk more about it here in a second. It's 503-733-2970. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Show. We are here in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Thank you for joining us uh, today. Uh, coming up later on, CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins will be joining us from Capitol Hill. We'll also talk to CNN Radio correspondent James Roop in Los Angeles, who says it's April Fool's Day, and kids, <laughs> they just love it. Uh, Amanda Moyer, <clears throat> pardon me. Amanda Moyer will be joining us from the CNN Radio Center in Atlanta. Uh, where they'll have a little more uh, detail about that. The new cigarette tax, which I guess is a federal tax, not even a state thing. Right. God, it sucks to be that a smoker. That means the state can come back in. Oh, and they well, will. Well, no, people continue to buy cigarettes. <laughs> well, no, I'm not saying that they won't. I'm just saying it, I'm just saying it sucks. I mean, it, look, I mean, on the one hand, on the one hand, it's going to kill you painfully and slowly. I mean, it'll just be taken off inch by agonizing inch later on, and your breath is going to stink while you're dying. So there's that. Also, you're paying the man like three different ways, because you're paying, uh, it, you know, because you're paying taxes and you're paying tobacco farmers and the, you're paying the medical industry. So you're just paying rooms full of old, wrinkled w- white guys over and over again throughout your life, and then also uh, they're just bending you over and horking you like every every 15 days. For, Aren't we for paying more more rooms taxes. full of white guys for everything though? Yes, we are. Yes, Sarah. we are. Cigarettes <laughs> really aren't so much different. Well, I'm just I'm just making the observation that. Uh, Here's the thing about the cigarette industry. You almost got to admire them and the government the way that, I mean, I guess in a way it's sort of refreshing, their honesty, right? That they don't pretend it's anything different than it is. They just, it's like that national debt clock that they used to have in Times Square or something, whereas they have a national uh, cigarette tax clock. It just continues to go up every single, and they don't ever make any illusions, like with gas. They don't ever try to sort of indicate that it's ever going to go down. John and Jeff said it's going to be $4 a gallon. Gasoline next year, yeah. but I think they're just starting trouble. They're just—it's because they're—it's because they're scallywags. Tomfoolery. Uh, mm-hmm. That's what it is. It's shenanigans. Uh, let's see what else is coming up today. Today's top five: top five songs by a band about another band. Top five songs about another band uh, happening today. Later on, Dorothy Carcassieri for the National Enquirer. Um, we have a snuff watch we never got through yesterday, and I meant to. Uh, it was sort of, I mean, not like it was timely as such, but, you know, I, I wanted to. So we'll get to it today. We have a Snuff Watch, Geek Watch coming up today. Uh, one random on-air caller today won a pair of tickets to see Lisa Lampanelli, who's coming to the Newmark. Lisa Lampanelli, uh, we will have a pair of tickets to her show. That is to one random on-air caller today. How might I get on air, you might be saying. Well, Rick Emerson will tell you. It's 503-733-2970. Speaking of things that are on the air, Bo Breedlove will be joining us this week. It's actually now Friday. So it's going to be Thursday. It's going to be Friday because I think his signing is Saturday. But so. I guess you're not done loading the trek up with magazines yet. No. It, you mean this magazine right here, Tim? Oh, oh my. my God. That's right. Holding in my hands a copy of Unzipped, a magazine that is giving headlines. That's the uh, slogan of the magazine. here, And it's sealed, by the way. Um, so Does it have cardboard in it, too? Well, it's like a display copy or what is that copy they use to prop up on the newsstand. Uh, so our friend Christine, uh, who is helping to coordinate the uh, the Bo Breedlove thing, she drops it off. She says, "As promised, Rick, here you go. It's a copy of Unzipped, the Gay Maxim." And then she and then she says, "I think what, you, what is probably a word of warning here." She says, "Don't read the quote stories." End quote. It seems to be a little thin on articles. <laughs> well, Tim, I uh, I think that probably it's uh, it's sort of like a uh, 
I get the feeling that this magazine is perhaps, it's more of a, an aesthetic experience. What does less, that say on the back? Uh, I believe in the back is an ad for a website, Sarah, and it's, uh, Rick Emerson is not endorsing this website, you understand. I believe on the back, the, on the back of Unzipped Magazine, they're advertising BrokeStraightBoys.com, where every straight boy has his price. And that is true, by the way. That's not just an editor. That's a scientific fact. Well, this might be uh, uh, the first experience with some hearing about this magazine. It's it's called Unzipped. It's not for a seamstress. No. Well, I mean, I suppose it, is. it all depends on how uh, broad-minded one is. Mm-hmm. All right, let me open it right Uh-oh, now. He's, the, the cellophane has been removed. Well, you're right, by the way. This magazine is, has strips of cardboard in it. So, it's um, to make it look fatter. I guess. <laughs> it's uh... yeah, There's a joke there that I'm... Wow. It's right, still well, like five pages. You know, can I just tell you this? I I opened right up to the, uh, I opened right up to um, I opened right up to the the Bo Breedlove section. Is it section something that only question. Sam Adams has seen in City Hall? <laughs> well, I don't know that only Sam Adams has seen, but it, in I suppose, the City Hall restroom. Well, I don't even really know. I mean, how would I know for sure? I mean, I guess it's a, it does appear to be a swing in place there, Tim. So I, I mean, yes, I, it I does. really, I mean, uh, very liberal. One could draw any number of conclusions. Well, moving forward. Uh, so, so was it Breed, unpleasant? Did you just open it? No, it wasn't unpleasant. I just, I just. Let's stop. Is for it a, a let down? No, we're gonna get a handle on this right now before things spin out of control. I'm stepping in. I'm stepping in, and I'm stopping this it's now. It's only five o'clock <laughs> in the morning. We're already reading a magazine. Already reading gay porn, and it's not even five fifteen. Uh, so on Friday, Bo Breedlove will be here in the studio. Uh, that is Friday. This Friday in the eight o'clock hour. And so, but, but so he, this is because on Saturday he's going to be signing copies of this magazine. This is uh, unzipped, uh, which is again sort of this is kind of like a gay maxim. Seems to be a little more. Uh, it's more pictorial than editorial. I mm-hmm. well, and I was going to say it's a little more provocative in the photo department than uh, maxim is. But I would say it, it does appear to be a tasteful magazine. Uh, so uh, and it's got the you know it's kind of got the the maxim formatting and everything. Looking to it. through, is it like full frontal? Yes, it is, Sarah. It does not for recipes, I take. Oh, uh, there's a uh, well, unless it's a recipe for unless it's a recipe for pleasure, Tim. In which case, every page is like its own little Betty Crocker three by five card. So he's going to be signing the magazine on Saturday. So they uh, they dropped it off here yesterday, and I guess Christine, I guess Christine Levine dropped it off at the front desk for Dave Zinn. She left a note. Or she sent me an email. She's like, I left some copies of Unzipped with Dave Zinn. They should be on your desk. And so I'm just picturing Dave Zinn getting this whole stack of gay porn magazines that he has to bring down to my desk, which is which is wonderful, by the way. Why is so, there only one copy left? Uh, I don't know. Maybe the rest of uh, maybe the rest of yeah, all resigned. Yeah, we were all going to get a copy. Don't look at me. I wasn't even here. <laughs> I, we'll pass Somebody it around. I, I do need to review it as, as I would any other news story. <laughs> we'll, I don't need to have one for him to sign on Friday. <laughs> we'll pass it around the classroom later, you kids. So, um, so she she dropped it by and Zinn uh, put it on my desk or whatever. And then I was uh, I was talking to her about it, but you know, the thing is, like, like if you pick up a copy, the Inquirer is a good example of this. Much as I love the Inquirer, you know, as you pick up the Inquirer, and you can, while you're in the checkout line, you can never find the article you're looking for. You can't find that in Zip Magazine at the checkout. No, you can't. But if you, but it's like the Inquirer, they will get you um, to pick up the issue based on something they put on the front cover, and then you're trying to find it so you can read it without buying it, right? You're trying to find it so you can read it while they're waiting to ring up the person in front of you, but you can't. Because A, the Inquirer never uses any page numbers, and B, the article you want is always hidden like two-thirds of the mm-hmm. way through, and you got to go page by page by page. Not so much with this unzipped magazine. I I opened right up to the section where Bo Breedlove is... Uh, he's embracing his sensuality. Or someone else is embracing his sensuality. Gardening? That's what they call it these Gardening. days? Gardening. That's exactly what it is. 
Anywho, so Bo Breed Love will be, uh, will be here uh, Friday in the uh, 8 o'clock hour, so be listening for that. It's 503-733-2970. Tim Riley's working on the following headlines uh, on this uh, Wednesday morning. Well, get ready for the attack of the dreaded corn ficker worm. It's the latest urban legend set to strike your PC today, that darn corn ficker. Corn ficker. I barely knew her. Bale is at a $2 million for the father and son beating and carjacking team who left their skier for dead and were caught in Mexico. A Marin County woman claims she was driving 100 miles an hour to teach her grandson a lesson about speeding. A task force calls for a slimmer Oregon. But is it too late? Yes. GM matches Ford offer to pay your new car payment if you lose your job. But the offer is only good to the end of the month. So get fired right now, everybody. GM offers the worst. No wonder they're going bankrupt. Another another <laughs> senseless move by GM, really. Kind of half-assed. Who is that supposed to GM help? GM does everything half-assed. <laughs> that is the opinion of CBS News, by the uh, way. Oh, good news. 100 employees will get their jobs back as Elaine County's uh, country coach files for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection. Bad news. Portland's Abra's pipe and steel mill, the one that's owned by those red communists, We'll lay off 225. That huge nut recall widens as 100 pounds of pistachios are impounded. And the best thing of all, next to the Bo Breedlove story, we're going to hear from the alleged drunk motorized barstool driver who crashed into the house. That is wonderful. And it didn't happen in Florida. It happened in Ohio where people are normally boring and well-behaved. Well, but I mean, you get, so there's got to be somebody there who, you know, if, if, if you figure that Ohio... If the average Ohio citizen is, let's say, fairly middle of the road in terms of their behavior, averages five. Yeah, the averages come from you know they come from a high and a low. So maybe this guy's trying to hold down the far end of the uh, of the human experience. We're joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon. What have you got there, Sarah? Look what I have. I'll trade you. Is that the John Wayne Gacy book? I have Johnny and Me, the true story of John Wayne Gacy, a memoir. You're going to trade me for... He's not around to do a book signing, though. (laughs) No. You're going to trade me for Unzipped, featuring this kid on the back who looks like uh, Christopher Atkins? So can you look at each other's books? All right. I'm sorry, but I know we had the guy on, and he seemed like very nice and stuff. This is the most poorly written thing I have ever read. Yeah, well, it looks like it's self-published. I cannot wait to read the whole thing. All right. I have no books or magazines to trade. Books? I have no books. And the back is the same, um, like the same paragraph that we read from his website. Mm-hmm. He was a childhood friend with John Wayne Gacy. And together, they shared many adventures and struggles. Are there any basement clown pictures? They shared struggles. If you're writing a book about John Wayne Gacy, don't be saying that you shared struggles with him. There are no. Oh, wait. That sounds a lot like he would bind the wrists. I'd take the ankles. He's no Bo Breedlove. No, he's not. All right. <laughs> So shall we? Uh, shall I pass this unzipped magazine around the uh, around the yes, studio? Yes. Let's just look at one yes, picture so we can all like talk about it. Oh my God! You see, I'm looking at the cover here. Creepy clown sex is one Ew. of the articles in this. Oh, don't say like you're not into it. Um, well, I'm gonna look at it, but I'm not into it. Oh, how was your show? How was the show last night? It the Bronx. was fun. Yeah, I went and saw the Bronx and then a local band, uh, Black Elk, and this other band, Trash Talk, and it was good. Thank God. Um, it was earlier than everyone thought. Old. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I feel so old. Yeah, all my friends are like, you know, drinking and having a crazy time. And oh, I'm like, no, well, I've got to get up and go to work. It's about 11. I think I should be heading home. Good for you. I went to bed around 11 o'clock. Yeah, so I got, I, yeah, well I was done. in bed and asleep by like 11.30. Uh, yeah, no, I uh, I was up to like, and here's how lame we've all become. I mean, I mean, I guess I was always kind of lame, but I was talking to Lara, you know, she, we're on this weird thing where she's actually got my old work schedule and I've got hers because she's working until midnight and then she's, bi- I feel like even more of a loser because she's bicycling to work. At midnight? Yes, bicycling to and from work. 
And so she gets home at around 1.30 in the morning because she bicycles all the way home. And she's like, yeah, I'm bicycling home from work at midnight. I'm like, That's uh, ballsy. I would be kind of afraid to. Yeah. Especially I see like a bunch of like creepy people out and about when I'm driving to work. She's a better person than um, A drunk homeless man tried to hail me as a cab this morning. Okay. I was driving down Hawthorne and I see this crazy person come running out of the street. He's like, and he's flailing his arm. He's like, taxi! And seriously, I have a car that does not look like a taxi. Yeah, no, no, it doesn't. <laughs> and I'm stuck on the stoplights, and then I'm just like, like it, it's like revved and went straight through. It's this like drunk guy running toward my car. I was, I was getting ready to go to bed last night. Uh, the, the I, Laura and I were talking about something or other, and I was supposed to. Uh, there was some something I was supposed to follow up with her about some. I don't know something around the house or whatever. Anyway, so I call her at work at 10:30, and and she answers the phone. She says, you know, she answers. She goes, oh, you know, Laura. And I said, oh, hey, it's me. And she said. Oh my God! What are you still doing up? And I looked at my watch. It was ten thirty. It's like that's how that's how lame I've become. At ten thirty, she's aghast and agog that I haven't gone to bed yet. You know, it just makes you embrace the weekends more. And no, that's you know what, and uh, I'm okay with it. It really is. I'm not complaining. It's uh, it's actually it's actually working out too. splendidly. But you know, it's just but you realize that you realize that you have instant. It's like a sneak preview of what it's going to be like to be sixty. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just uh, well, and it's fine because people like I, I saw a bunch of people I haven't seen in a while last night. You know, and everyone's out for the show and having a good time. They're like, how is it? I'm like, honestly, it's just, it's so freakishly early that it doesn't feel very early. No, that's the thing. Is it's like, almost, 6 a.m. feels earlier than, like, 4 a.m. It's almost like we're just coming here late at night. Exactly. No, you're right about that, too. If you had to be to work at 7 a.m., that actually feels a lot earlier mm-hmm. than being at work at 4 a.m. Because 4 a.m. just, it's so, it's so freakish. Like, it doesn't even exist. Like, so it doesn't, it isn't as hard as, like, It's like we're in a casino, removed from actual mm-hmm. time and clocks. 30 is the new 60. That's right, Tim. All right. Uh, so we'll get uh, caught up here in a second. Some phone calls uh, on the way. But the Osbournes. Oh, yes. Wow. I it just, I, it's like, there's so much in this world that is just crap. There's so many things that are bad that it, it, it's like we need to create new words to describe the Osbournes. Because all the words that I would use to, to talk about how awful something is, it's like none of them really even are sufficient. There's, there's really no way I can describe it. If you, it's. You know what it is? It's like Vietnam. If you weren't there, you just don't know. You you can't possibly end it. You can't grasp it. It's. I think at one point I saw a guy being. I think at one point there was a segment where Sharon Osbourne had a guy, and he was being forced to kiss like an 80-year-old woman, for some reason. I think I may have seen that. I was out of the room when that part took place. I think, but that was just a small window into. I mean, it was. It's, that it's, seems kind of. It's wrong. impossible to even describe, though. It was like half, not even half. It was like part sketch comedy, part like reality show contest, part like like sort of a truth or dare kind of a thing, like part pre-taped sort of kooky sitcom, part like uh, fake uh, like candid camera kind of a thing. Like there's a whole bit. I think we I think we we were talking about this from their press release. This whole totally uninteresting bit where um, Ozzy and Kelly Osbourne and Kelly Osbourne looks bad, by the way. Don't get me wrong. I I've found her really cute for a long time. That time has passed. I thought she was all like thin and stuff now. But she looks weird. It's not even that she's you know body type aside, because whatever. I thought she was. I have always thought she was kind of cute, but she looks strange. She just looks weird and, uh, you know, and everybody else kind of looks unchanged. Jack Osborne looks like a fat little bastard like he always does. Uh, Ozzy looks like Ozzy. Sharon looks like Sharon. She's got that one wedge haircut that she looks like, you know what, you know what Sharon Osborne looks like? She looks like what, uh, what's her name? Susie Sue from Susie and the Banshees. She looks like probably what you would imagine she would have become if she'd been a housewife. 
Like if Susie Sue had just become, you know, like a den mother somewhere, is, like Beaver. Is Sharon Osbourne kind of paunchy now? Like I haven't seen her in. Not even paunchy. She just sort of, you know, she just sort of seems like a not terribly interesting suburban suburban wife. I mean, that's kind of what she looks I think like. Osbourne's time has passed. I think so. I mean, and don't get me don't get me wrong. I re, I respect them. I respect Ozzy, and I you know as, as a you know as as a maker of music, and I respect Sharon as a business person. But boy, but there was a section where Ozzy and Kelly are working a drive-through, and. Which just sounds like the worst morning show bit ever, and it was, but it wasn't even that funny, because it was so obviously fake and scripted. And there was a section where, yes, they just begin screaming profanity at the poor customer who just wants a milkshake. And I was just sitting there and just, at a certain point, I just, I just sort of put my head down and I just sort of shook it sadly. And then I, you know, I don't know. And then I clipped my toenails or something. It was just, it was so utterly uninteresting. Okay, so uh, we'll, we'll get caught up on the other side. Somebody wants to talk about giant Cheetos. I think Brad, giant Cheetos. Uh, Richie's telling me that line two is from Vancouver and really drunk. Well, that's great. Uh, and then line three is a mystery call. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO on Wednesday morning. And hello to you. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, good morning. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Who might this be? This is Brad. Hey, how are you doing, Rick? I am yeah, fantastic, Brad. sir. Hello. Um, so I found an awesome snack food last night at Walgreens. Giant Cheetos. When you say giant, like a, like a, the bag itself, or the actual Cheeto was of substantial the size. Cheeto itself is in a little tube, and they're about the size of a ping pong ball. Cheeto in a tube. Is it? Um, but I mean, is it round or is it the actual? Is it Cheeto shaped but just huge? Slightly, but it, it's like I said, it's more round. It's kind of shaped like a ping pong ball, really, and it's in a tube of I think five, and they're two, they're two for a buck, which is you know. The fat Americans love cheap deals on their on their fat food. So, so it's uh, so it's maybe it's sort of like a uh, maybe shaped like a fritter almost. In other words, not perfectly round, but but kind of vaguely round. Right. It's almost like it's a really 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 big fat round Cheeto that they cut up in the chunks. And that was okay. And so my next question was going to be, does it have the same density as a Cheeto? In other words, is it hard to bite through, or is it just as you know? Because Cheetos are very crisp, you can snap right into them. Is it the same way? It's more like you know the puffed Cheetos. Yes, yes, I do. Mm, yeah, more like that. Yeah. All right. And so and I, I, I also saved you a package, and I was probably going to bring some chocolate chip Costco muffins Friday morning. So you are a good person, sir. Thank you so much. That's the yeah. way to. Our, we're not asking for free food, but really, we're asking for free food. That's fantastic. Okay. And, and I, I think I'm going to be doing a tour of the uh, Visa factory this afternoon with Ex- Alex. Excellent. See, and oh, I, cool. I myself have never actually done that. So, um, okay. So, and where this was at Walgreens? You found these uh, Cheetos. Yep, out in uh, Hills. I actually found them in Hillsboro, but I'm sure you can get them anywhere. It was in a tube. Is this like in a tube the way that uh, it's like, what do they make the thing now where it's like you can get snack foods that come in a plastic cylinder so you can just eat it while you're driving? No, this is like a just a regular plastic wrapper like you'd find a, a you know, candy bar. In ah, okay, excellent. Okay, and they're, and they're just called Cheetos. Are they called Giant Cheetos? Yeah, and they, they actually say giant Cheetos, and like I said, they're two, two for a buck. I love this country. All America's right. great. Excellent. Thank you, it, sir. It really is. Thank you. All right. Have a fantastic day. There you go. That's wonderful. Oh, my God. Friday sounds like the best day ever. Giant Cheetos and chocolate chip muffins. Yes, it does, Sarah. Oh. Uh, at the news desk, ladies and gentlemen, this is Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. They've arrested a woman who was driving 100 miles an hour to teach her grandson a lesson about speeding. This happened in Marion County. What lesson do you suppose was being taught there? What exactly was the uh, wisdom she was trying to impart? So she's driving a Mazda, traveling eastbound at 103 miles an hour. This is by far the greatest uh, recorded uh, speed on this road I've ever seen. 
said the fellow. This happened in the uh, 900 block of Hilo Road in Marion County. So they pulled the car over, and the driver, Sandra Nardi, told the police officer she was trying to show her 10-year-old grandson the dangers of driving too fast. Excellent. She said she told her grandson that several people died on Hilo Road because they were driving too fast. <laughs> And that it's a popular place for teens to drive dangerously. Wait, and so she was, I don't understand. So she was trying to demonstrate, how old is she? She's a role model, 53. How old is he? Uh, Let's see here, a teenager apparently. So he was driving or she was driving? She was driving. She was driving just to show him, oh I see. She she told her grandson never to drive the way that she was because it was so dangerous and then admitted she was driving more than 80 miles an hour. I see. So this is... uh, Hilo Road has a posted speed limit of 45, several steep hills, limited visibility, make it a dangerous place to drive fast. So this is uh, so he could get a sense of what it might feel like to be going 100 miles an hour plummeting towards right. your imminent demise. The fast and the furious. All right. That's so sweet of her. Grandmother is. is not a role model, kids. Mm-hmm. Then a, uh, this is convenient, a driver crashes into the Newport Hospital. <laughs> That's <laughs> like moving the mountain to Mohammed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a good place to do it. Hospital staff members came out to help, and the driver was assisted by uh, firefighters. Let's see, why did she do this? It doesn't say. But she's she's too young at 55 to be stepping on the gas instead of the brake. No, no, no. That's And that's always the way it is with old people, too. It's a whole lot of like, well, and the accelerator's stuck, and I couldn't. Uh, but th- th- what didn't say if it was an accident or if it was intentional? It does not. All right. All right. So it's uh, time for everybody in Oregon to slim down. Uh, state task force is calling to spend $3.5 billion to educate Americans about the alarming rate of obesity. Another $10 million should be spent on statewide education and preventive e- uh, efforts for Oregonians of all ages. And here we are talking about giant Cheetos. Well, everything in moderation, Tim. Did you know that uh, six in ten Oregon adults and one of five children are obese or overweight? Treating obesity-related diseases such as diabetes, heart disease, and strokes costs Oregon nearly $800 million a year. How do they do- come up with that figure? Well, that's what it says. A healthy body and a healthy mind go hand in hand. We've got to keep it. Are we, wait, wait, was this a news article or was this a press release? No, this is a news article. Because at a certain AP. point, you it, it became sort of like a. At a certain point, you be, it became like a little motivational speech there at the end. Like, but quit, you're not obese. No, and I'm, you don't need motivation. No, I'm just saying. And it, you know, it, it, and you, it's like you ended it with a little, uh, like a little uplifting thought for the day, which I appreciate. Well, I try to be that way. All right, just real, real quickly, and we'll get the Jim Rope here. Do you see? Did we have the story about how Fox is doing a, a dating show? For uh, oh, for the larger people, yeah, yes, called more to love, um, and but it's talking about the obesity thing, you can tell that uh, that it is an issue in these United States because the guy who from Fox who was actually talking about how they have this, uh, it's like the, the you know it's like the dating show for overweight people. He actually didn't even say like for overweight people. He said you know for normal people. Well, that would be normal, wouldn't it? Yes, it would, Tim. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson show. From Los Angeles, CNN Radio correspondent Jim Roop. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm very well. Good morning. Let me ask you this. As a broadcaster, uh, do you anticipate with glee or do you dread with despair April Fool's Day or neither? Uh, I like it because I drive my kids nuts. For instance, uh, I, I just made my kids, my older son, his lunch. Mm-hmm. And I took the insides of an Oreo out and replaced it with toothpaste. Wow. Really? Yeah. Good for you. Okay. And, never... I, and I, I glued his sandwich to the bottom of the lunch bag. You know, that's. I did seems... that yesterday, so now when he reaches in to pull it out, the whole. The, he can't get. He's got he's to try and get the sandwich out of the plastic bag from inside the bag. I like the idea that. Uh, that it's, oh, I see. So it wasn't the actual sandwich, no, it was no, just the it bag. Was the, I, put the, I put the sandwich in like six plastic bags and then glued that 
to the bottom of the lunch bag. I was just anticipating your kid having to eat the paper bag to get the nutrition from the sandwich <laughs> see, as well. That, I see, I wasn't thinking. All right. Well, did you know that this is National Grilled Cheese Month, and a Los Angeles Westside restaurant is offering cheese-themed vintage postcards of 25 different grilled cheese sandwiches? No, but I, can, I, can I tell you, a grilled cheese sandwich is really one of the greatest things on earth. I had one yesterday. <laughs> I know, Tim, you, you you don't partake in grilled cheese sandwiches. But really, uh, I, do, just... I use vegan cheese. Oh, that's this true. Is, this is available cheese. at uh, La Brea Bakery. Apparently, it's a uh, grilled cheese postcards. Yeah, there's there's really something. Uh, you know, the, the the thing about a well done grilled cheese sandwich is, it's harder than it looks sometimes because I've had ones that weren't that good because there's so few moving parts that it's easy to screw up if you get just one element of it wrong. So, uh, here's the only reason I bring up the April Fool's Day thing. And by the way, I, I had no anticipation that you would have screwed with your kids this morning. So well done on that. Thank you. You've impressed me right out of the gate. Uh, and I've also switched the cereal. When they, you know, when my sons, uh, well, both, well, both my kids, when they, when they pour their favorite cereal, out comes glass. My wife's cereal, or whatever. Oh. Also, when they come home, the house will be empty, and my wife and I will have moved away, Rick. <laughs> we will have changed our names and moved to Toledo. Yeah, Jim, you're sounding a little evil. <laughs> well, you know what? It's uh, also I, I, I leave I leave the practical jokes outside the house for the amateurs because I mean I'm. I'm always doing stuff to people. Yes. Do you put so cellophane the one, in the toilets and everything this, what's too? What's that? Cellophane in the toilets. The other one I would always do. I do. I didn't. Uh, I wouldn't do a cellophane in the toilets. I would do this uh, when I was a kid. Uh, I would take a salt shaker, and it's like cellophane in the toilets, but you put cellophane inside the salt shaker. In other words, um, you take off the lid of the salt shaker. God, I sound like a like an idiot. Uh, but you would, you know, you would take the lid off the inside of the salt shaker. I don't know why I thought this was the height of merriment. And then you would put some cellophane over it. Tuck it down in to make a little pocket, and then if it was a salt shaker, you'd put sugar, and if it was a sugar shaker, you'd put salt. Uh, and then, and then my dad would become apoplectic and throw things. So that never, <laughs> and then I never learned though. Every year I would do it the same, and every year he would throw something through a window. And I never got the, I never got the clue that maybe those two things were connected. Well, my my wife said my older son is, you know, is such a teenager, and he's so such an idiot. He'll eat the Oreo cookie and think, wow, new minty filling on the inside. <laughs> this has got a little more punch to it than I'm used to. <laughs> yeah. Do these Oreos have a snap to you? Uh, they, as, a, as a broadcaster, you learn to just, uh, at least as a radio, uh, you know, like a, a, you know, if you're like a, on the radio, you're a DJ or whatever, you just learn to loathe uh, April Fool's Day because you are just surrounded by jackasses. Uh, and this, and you know this, Jim, from working in radio, this is the typical sort of, in fact, I think I just got a memo yesterday. I should have brought it in. I think I got a memo from CBS Corporate yesterday that they, they send it out every March 30th and 31st, and it's from CBS Corporate and CBS Legal telling you not to just go on and just say something that is going to put everybody into a panic mm. because, you know, because because you have nothing better to do. So, like, this is, I, I worked in a market one time where a morning show did this, and this I, I am simply saying this. For demonstrative purposes, this is not really the case. This is not true. What I'm about to say isn't 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 true. This is not a thing that is actually happening. But a guy went. In fact, I won't even I won't I won't even use any specifics. A guy went on the air and he picked a specific public official from the city, and it was there wasn't even anything funny about it. He just said like, and he hit a telephone pole and he's dead, and that was it. Like that was and. You know, and so everybody immediately calls, starts calling the front desk, and everybody's freaking out. The newspaper is calling. And then the general manager comes in and is like, hey, did you say that so-and-so elected public official hit a telephone pole and is dead? And the DJ just kind of goes, yeah, it's hilarious. And then it's just like the blankest look on his face. Because you could tell in his head that was just uh, – it was the most rarefied uh, kind of wit that he'd been able to conjure up uh, this morning. <laughs> and so this is so widespread 
that there was an email that went out from CBS yesterday saying, if you don't say anything, it's going to cause a panic. Don't say anything, it's going to freak people out. Don't terrify everybody. But, uh, you know, but nobody listens. And then, see, but then there's you. You actually make me believe in April Fool's Day all over again, Jim. Well, I, I did something stupid when I was a young disc jockey. I, uh, I did, uh, and I'm sure I'm not the only one that's ever done this, although I haven't heard of it anywhere. Uh, I did an April Fool's Day parade where I called it the 48th annual and I had sound effects and all that crap at the corner of Fifth and Broadway. Um, uh, you know, here we are again, and we talk about the floats going by. And people went there looking for this parade. And they're calling the station just ticked off that they fought traffic to get there and the whole thing. And uh, I got in a little bit of trouble over that. Well, see but, that's, see, but that's different, though. Because really, if you're listening to the radio on April Fool's Day, this is why, like, when the guy went on and said, you know, the public official was just dead, like... You know, that's a thing that you hear on the radio. You know, you hear stories like that all the time. They said that could be true. There were some DJs. I think they were in Los Angeles actually a couple years ago. They got nailed because on April Fool's Day, and it's always with people being dead for some reason. They went on the air and said Britney Spears was dead, uh, and there was like no, there was like no other facet to it. Like there was no actual texturing or layering to the joke. It was just and uh, she's dead. Moving on, and that was it. Your thing at least is kind of funny because if on April Fool's Day. You are being directed to fight your way through traffic downtown to an April Fool's parade or whatever. That's uh, and it lasted the entire show. Of course, you know, but that's just people get that's people getting what they deserve. So ever sure. since then, every bit that I wanted to do, I had to run it by my program director. Sir, that is just every stinking bit after that. <laughs> that is just leveraging human idiocy for your own amusement, and there's nothing wrong with that, Jim Roop. Man, oh that man. is that is absolutely acceptable. It, it made it no fun. You couldn't do anything. You couldn't go in and say, "Hey, let's do this." You know, you couldn't do right. that anymore. Now the uh, once you get to the uh, yeah once you get to that point the and I will need all bits to be cleared through this office uh, <laughs> in triplicate then that's that's when you start looking at the back of R and R trying to figure out if there's a morning show in Omaha that you can get onto yeah it's no good at all all right Jim Rook, happy uh, April Fool's Day to you my friend and to you don't forget uh, check the Oreos before you eat them always all right there you go Jim Roop in Los Angeles fantastic. 503-733-2970. Don't forget one random on your caller today wins a pair of tickets to see Lisa Lampanelli, who is bringing her chicanery to the Newmark and so forth. Straight ahead, more news with Tim Riley. Later on, Dorothy Carcassari from The Inquirer. We will talk to Amanda Moyer at the Siena Radio Center in Atlanta. And the top five songs written by one band about another band. It's on the way. It's the Rick Emerson Show. The Rick Emerson Show returns. Rose, where we're going, we don't need... This is Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. It is Wednesday, April 1st, 2009. And good morning to you. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. I'm just going to admit something. I, and I know this makes me a bad uh, radio person, but I just I meant to bring in audio from that Osborne show last night, and I just couldn't bring myself to watch it again. I couldn't. I couldn't bring myself to. Not even for amusement purposes. You're gonna have to find them then, or else you're not allowed to talk about it. Because you have to. We have to hear it. I. Uh, okay. I'll go searching. No, no, no. I'll find some. I mean, it's. I mean, it's there. I just. It was like a whole thing. It, like at my house, it's a multi-step process because I haven't. I guess I should just be. I guess I should just hook my television at this point directly to my MacBook. I could do that. I just haven't bothered it. I haven't bothered to set it up yet. You can do anything with a Mac. Yes, you can, Tim. Uh, but, uh, it, it, except right click. But, uh, so I, I have this whole thing where my television goes into my amplifier, which goes down the hallway into my home office, into my PC. 
And then I have to either mail the sound of myself or put on a jump drive or whatever. And anyway, it's just a whole thing. And, and was like, I, I got ready to get up off the couch. It's like there was that, that other article about sexting the other night. Not the one with the dog, but like the, the actual sexting that uh, CNN was talking about. And it was interesting enough that I was motivated to get off the sofa and go into the office and actually tape the sound and bring it in. And so I was standing up last night to go into the office to tape the Osborne sound to bring in. And I kind of went, and I, and I just shook my head and I said no. And I just turned off the TV and I went to bed. So uh, here's Tim Riley at the news desk. <laughs> In the news with Tim Riley. So you were asking me the nationality of the surname Breedlove. Yeah, well, because it assuming is it's, is it his, because it he said it's his real name. It's probably a nickname for an amiable or popular person from Middle English to breed and love. Breedlove. <laughs> well, he's That's got it. He can do it. And just so everyone knows, he has it tattooed on his upper thigh. That's in case he forgets. <laughs> you say you went to school with somebody who had his own name tattooed on his back? He was my high school. Yeah, good for you. That's fantastic. Yeah, and his name was Chris, and he just had a big Chris. Chris. But it was huge too. It was like about uh, like six inches um, like tall letters. <laughs> of course, was it an old English script? It was an old English. Oh my script. God, I was kidding. No. That's fantastic. Well done. Yeah. Was it to remember one of his dead homies? Was... No, it was to remember himself. But I mean, that doesn't make any sense. Like, who would ever be seeing that? I mean, I don't know. I mean, if you're a guy and you're tattooing your own name on your back. I'm not trying to work blue. I'm just saying there's a finite number of circumstances in which somebody would be looking at that. I mean, really, it's basically, you know, it's like if like you're... Like Bo Breedlove? I was, <laughs> was going to say, you're either you're either in a city hall bathroom or you're at the gym. I mean, there's, that's, that's it. Otherwise, that's a thing that and not even you can see. didn't do either of those things, so I don't know. No, and I mean, you know, well, all right, what do you know? Meanwhile, bail is set at $2 million for that father and son attack team. They uh, beat that skier, left him for dead, stole his SUV. That's... $2 million for both of them. Uh, the father showed no emotion as he walked down the uh, stairs, but his son cracked a smile. The father, Michael Collins, is a sex offender with an outstanding arrest warrant for uh, failing to meet his requirements as a sex offender registered. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. I bet a lot of people like to be on that jury. Well, how would you like this to happen to you? You come home, there's a big hole in your ceiling, and your landlord leaves you a note apologizing for it. A Vancouver woman... Said a neglected roof caused a worker to fall through her ceiling. Well, she came home, the mother of two children said the apartment manager left her a note saying the roofer had uh, broken partway through the ceiling while walking on the roof. I'm just glad and blessed my son and daughter were not home. Uh, they have a video of the uh, repairman cleaning up the damage and photos of the gaping hole in the roof. Where was this at? Vancouver. Well, you know, this is like that... Mm. Um, when I was growing up, my day, we would be in the attic occasionally, like moving something around or storing something. And I, in retrospect, I don't know if this is actually true. My dad was just making it up because he liked to terrify me. But we would be walking through the attic in my home, and there would be these sort of, you know, beams on the floor. And then between the beams would just be like a foot or a foot across of, of just insulation. And he would always tell me, he's like, you have to walk on the beams. If you step on the insulation, you'll fall right through the ceiling into the living room. Yes. Is that true? That is true. So the question I have to ask is, why was he even letting me up there? I think that, the, really, in retrospect, I think my father may have been trying to have me killed. Like you he were didn't, replacing his salt with sugar. He and, and occasionally replacing his beer with water. That also went over really well. I did that when I was about seven. Just pour all those beers out, put in water, seal them back up. But, uh, but yeah, he was always telling me that if you, if you stop on the insulation, you go right through. But this wasn't through the attic. This was actually the actual roof of the house. Yes. Uh, well, that'll unnerve you. Because then you just wonder... Like, let me, I don't mean to make everybody terrified, but do you ever think about this? Uh, first of all, you think about your roof and how your roof 
you know, is, is up there and it's got, you know, there's gravity and the elements and wind and water and rain. And you think about how occasionally the roofs do just cave in on you. But here's the other thing. Have you ever been in a multi-story building and you think about how your floor is someone else's roof? And then you start to think about how your uh, ceiling is someone else's floor. Mm-hmm. And then it's just a whole bad cavalcade of thoughts in your head. And it just starts to terrify you because you just wonder, you know, you wonder exactly how many, you know, how many footprints it takes to... Uh, uh, you know how many how many footsteps it takes to you know to make that thing sort of buckle in. The stuff like that freaks me out. I can't think about it too much. Let's do a snuff watch. Let's do a snuff watch, shall we? Here's your snuff watch for Wednesday on the Rick Emerson Radio Show. This is Angel Star Andy Hallett, dying of heart failure. He starred as Lorne, the host of the TV series Angel, dying of heart failure, at the age of 33. The actor passed away at Cedar Sinai Hospital in Los Angeles after a five-year battle with heart disease. Hallett was from Cape Cod. He appeared on more than 70 episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the spinoff Angel, between 2000 and 2004. The accomplished actor also was a musician and sang two songs, Lady Marmalade and It's Not Easy Being Green, on the Angel Live Fast Die soundtrack released in 2005. The uh, actor's character on Angel apparently was a friendly demon. He was. He ran a bar. Uh, and he had the, he, he, uh, there's a photo actually somewhere of Aaron, uh, Duran from Geek in the City dressed as Lauren for Halloween a couple years ago. Uh, but you, you would know him. He was, you know, sort of an amiable looking bloke, but, uh, he had a green skin and whatever. And so he ran a bar and he sang Lady Marmalade. It's not easy being green. And then something else. There was some, uh, there was some third song. What's the other song that he sang? And I, I cannot for the life of me remember it now. It was something else. But I almost opened yesterday's show with the theme song uh, to Angel. But it's, it's kind of a buzzkill, kind of a downer song anyway. But And that's kind of the only thing he did. He was only mm-hmm. 33. He had he was on, I think, I don't know, probably, would you say 70 episodes? I think two-thirds of the Angel episodes he was on. I was having this whole discussion with uh, with Aaron, actually, and uh, our friend uh, Cable Hashitani, uh, who uh, is on our sister station, AM 970, works on the CBS Radio Theater. And oh, I'm sorry, 970.am. Uh, old habits. They'll but find it. We were talking about uh, about Angel and how I kind of got off the Angel train uh, during the fourth season, which was just bad. And of course, as always happens, I guess the fifth season came back strong, and the show ended on a you know on a really really good note. I guess it was on an upswing by the time it went off the air. So I got to go back and I'm going to watch the final season of that at some point. That's a snuff watch. All right, there's your snuff watch for Wednesday on the Rick Emerson Radio Show. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Do you know the original Osborne show? When do you think that went on the air? What year? 99? 2002. Oh. I mean, it was only 2002, but it doesn't just seem like forever ago. just seems like an unbelievable lifetime since the things went on. And at one point, uh, I think I I mentioned the fact that on the Osborne's Reloaded thing last night, that uh, the guy was having to kiss the old woman. There was also a thing where there was a... Boy, you want to talk about just a page from yesteryear where there was like a flash dance parody, and it's so it's Ozzy, but he's doing, you know, he's Jennifer Beals, and then he's, then he's passing gas the whole time. 
Are you kidding? It was uh, it was really the most profound uh, use of the television. Are there any sound effects for that? No, you know, and uh, telling Sarah during the break that it, you know, as much as I was just sort of not wanting to th- take the time or effort to bring in some of the audio from the show, I also realized that it just divorced from the unfolding horror that was the video uh, to that show last night. There was just, like, the visual representation was just so much worse because... They would do this thing, too, wherever the... And there was an audience for all of it, right? There was a studio audience kind of laughing at the Osbournes' hilarity. But every time there was laughter, you would never see the audience actually laughing. And every time you would see the audience, there was no laughter. It was just a confluence of all that is bad and terrible. Tim Riley's working on the following stories today at the news desk. Natalie Cole has bad kidneys and complains to Larry King about them. We'll hear from the alleged drunk motorized barstool driver who crashed... Oregon makes the top ten list as one of the best places to be a cat owner. A chicken fat spill closes down an Arkansas highway. A New York City TV newsman is busted for DUI after driving into an NYPD police horse. A Florida Fox affiliate, now we understand a Cincinnati Fox affiliate, refuses to air that Osborne show. A California mother is arrested after a three-year-old child is found eating out of a trash can. Ah, ah, oh. ah, that's, that's great. Thanks so much. Uh, and then I've got this, which we uh, teased a little bit yesterday. I get a chance to play it, so I'll, I'll roll this out here in a second. This is this uh, television sound. This is KTVO, which is in Ottumwa, Iowa. Uh, it was their uh, birthday greeting. So I will. The, the setup for this is that it's like a you know it is a sort of a man woman morning show. And the deal is that if you live in Ottumwa, Iowa, and you have somebody who is, you know, somebody close to you who is celebrating a birthday, that, you know, you email it in or you go to the station website or whatever, and you say, I'd like to wish my mother-in-law a happy 75th birthday, and then they just block out an absurd amount of time every morning to read all the names off. The birthday book. Exactly. That's the morning it. Exactly what it is. But it just goes on forever. I mean, I've kind of edited it down here for time and for content. But, I mean, it went on for, I mean, probably three, three and a half minutes of morning yeah. drive time television. So this is from KTVO, and I want to thank uh, our friend Siegfried for sending us this. And whoever, I mean, I don't know if this was like a concerted effort, if it was one guy, if it was a whole series of people in different parts of the city that all did this. You'll hear it starts out with a series of normal names, and then it kind of takes a turn. And then I think it it actually wraps up with a couple of normal uh, names as well. But this is from about uh, three days ago on a television station KTVO in Ottumwa, Iowa. They are doing their live on air birthday greetings. And it's time for birthdays. Let's take a look right now. We have Cindy Swanson. Happy 50th to my sister in Ottumwa from your family in Novinger. They love you. And happy first birthday to Corbin Williams from your. And actually, as we let me play this, uh, let me play this via this other. Uh, the Windows Media Player thing, which is a thing that I don't ever do because I want to, I want to actually pause hey, this at one point. Time for birthdays. Let's take a look right now. We have Cindy Swanson. Happy 50th to my sister in Ottumwa from your family in Novinger. They love you. And happy first birthday to Corbin Williams from your mom, dad, and Bailey. Scott Phelps. Happy 32nd birthday. We love you. Love Holly's mom, Tammy Vaughn, Joshie, and Libby. Uh, Lou Brickent. Happy, I uh, hope you... Lou Brickent. That's the opening shot in this. And by the way, it should be noted that all these <laughs> names are being displayed on the screen as they're reading them off. So the first one... I didn't even catch that at first. Yeah, there's like there's like three names in that are normal, and then they get right to Lou Brickent. Your big party go smooth, love Beth. We want your big party to go smooth. <laughs> love Beth. And let's see, Gabe Asher, happy... Gabe Asher. Lou Brickent, followed by Gabe Asher. Happy 
birthday gate from your mom, dad, sister, and your brother. And Emerson Biggins. You'll have... Emerson Biggins. You'll always be my girl. Happy birthday to you as well. Which I believe is a crude way to comment on the size of a uh, woman's endowments, sir. Oh, okay. Sort of Al Bundy style. <laughs> Anita Lay, happy birthday to my sweet little girl, Anita. Here we go. I mean, oh the best part, God. by the way, as you're listed, and we're not even halfway done. <laughs> And I had to remove some of the uh, some of the racier ones, incidentally. Uh, this is a, this has really happened. It real no no no. I I was so convinced it was fake that I went online and I actually researched the station and I researched the clip itself. It is it's it's unbelievably real. Um, as, as astonishing as that might seem. Anita Lay. He says, speaking for everyone. Um, so I went on and I was, my first thought was like some guy had just sort of put this together or they had, a guy had kind of hacked this together at home with, with, uh, you know, not Photoshop, but he like made it on his computer. No, no, no. Though it's all very real. And you can tell it's real because as they start getting into like the Lou Brickend and Anita Lay, you can hear the crew members laughing just off camera. Really? Okay. Yeah. If you, uh, I don't know if you can actually hear it here because it sounds a little warbly, but if you're listening to sort of a clean recording of it, you can hear the crew members beginning to laugh. What you can't hear right now is news director Tim Riley laughing uproariously <laughs> at Anita Lay. Sweet little girl, Anita. There we go. I forgot. We got some uh, anniversaries here. Donna and Harry, Mo Lester. May so this is Mo, like in parenthesis or in quotation marks, like, uh, you know, like uh, uh, Margaret or something. You know, my name's Margaret. They call me Mo. So this oh, is God. Okay. Harriet and Mo Lester. Donna and Harry, Mo Lester, may this anniversary be our best. Let's see here. Uh, Aster and Emma Royds. Uh, we love you. Aster and Emma Royds. So there's a, uh, that's uh, that's two in a row there. That's like a two for pun. Two from the kids. Amy and Willie B. Hardigan. Happy anniversary, Mom and Dad. Love, Joseph. Billy, Bill and May Ann Nays. Happy anniversary to Bill. May Ann A's. <laughs> I mean, how thick do you have to be to not realize that you're being bent over on television? Your producer is mean. <laughs> Seriously. Well, that's just, and that's my thing, too, is like, Someone had to have sifted through them. Someone had, had to, to have sorted. Look, I know a tum was green, like lettering or wording or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's not like it's a big town. I mean, I'm sure that there's. I mean, a Tumwa, Iowa, isn't like a thriving metropolis or something. But you got to figure that there's a fair amount of these they get every day. I mean, it's a television morning show. So there's a fair amount of these that they get submitted to them all the time. And the idea that guy went waded through them all. And then type them all out. Happy anniversary, Mom and Dad. Love, Joseph. Billy, Bill and May Ann Nays. Happy anniversary to Bill and May Ann Nays. And then a, a Hugh and Mar uh, Rection. Happy anniversary to, us, uh, to you. Love, honey, from Martha. And, of course, we look forward to uh, celebrating birthdays. And, and, and then he just does the wrap-up, completely yes, oblivious. One that you'd like to share with us on the air, mail to KTVO P.O. Box 949, Kirkland, Missouri, 63501, or log on to our website at heartlandconnection.com. I mean, wow. Yeah. It's, uh, it's quite something. There were a that's few a, that that's I. Impressive. Uh, there were a few that I had to edit out. Uh, Can you say like uh, part of content. the name? No, but I will tell you this: that um, one of the callers of that station. KTVO. I uh, I will actually say that uh, just on a totally unrelated subject, while we're talking about uh, these fake names that got on the air with this television station with their birthday greetings and things I had to edit out, I'll simply say that of all the designing women, um, Dixie Carter was my favorite. Uh, I was a big fan of hers. Uh, I was. Uh, 
She was quite something, is what she was. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Just ahead, CNN radio correspondent Amanda Moyer will be joining us from Atlanta. Later on, the top five songs by a band about another band. And we'll uh, talk to uh, Lisa Desjardins from The Hill as well. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Right after the break, we're going to interview Eric Weihenmayer, who climbed the highest mountain in the world, Mount Everest. But he's gay. I mean, he's gay. Excuse me. He's blind. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us today. And in response to the uh, repeated e- email inquiries that I've already got about this, yes, we will, we'll play the KTVO thing back. Uh, I, would, I would estimate probably several dozen more times uh, before today's show is done. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Show. It is uh, Wednesday morning. It's 503-733-2970. Don't forget, coming up later on in the week, Bo Breedley will be here. That'll be uh, Friday. Later on today's program, Dorothy Carcassieri for the National Enquirer. And the top five songs written by one band about another band. It's all on the way, as well as headlines, news, and information from Tim Riley. From the CNN Radio Center in Atlanta, however, this is CNN Radio correspondent Amanda Moyer. And good morning to you. How are you today? Good morning. I'm well. How are you today? I'm fantastic. Did you watch the Osbournes Reloaded last night? I only caught the first couple of minutes. I have to go to bed early. I have to get up so early in the morning. See, and it's much more polite of you to say that than to say that you actually were revolted and turned away in awestruck horror, <laughs> which is probably closer to the truth. Let me ask you this. Uh, in, in Atlanta, did it start at like 25 after the hour at some weird time? I think it did. It started right after American Idol went off. Okay. And I don't know if that was sort of by design. I don't know if it was, in other words, if there was only so many hours of, of, of programming time they had and there were too many hours of programming uh, to put in there so something had to get cut, or if the network just sort of realized way too late in the game that they had just a, just a, huge, just a huge pile on their hands and they were just doing everything they could to, to sort of whittle it down. But really, I would, um, I would urge you uh, at, at your soonest opportunity really just to uh, – to get a copy of it or to keep it somewhere, because it's going to be like that Star Wars holiday special that aired once and then just vanished forever because they realized that it ought never see the light of day again. So that's just a little uh, little pop culture advice from me to you. Thanks for the tip. Hey, so the this uh, the cigarette tax that is going into effect, we, uh, we were talking about it yesterday. I thought it was a state tax, but I guess it's a federal tax, right? That's right. It's a federal tax, and it's on... Um it's on all tobacco products, but cigarettes are going to be the most affected. goes up 62 cents, so that brings the federal tax part up to a dollar one. So if it's so the federal tax a dollar one, what is the average Sarah, what's a I mean, I know you have many friends who smoke, Sarah. <laughs> I usually run like six bucks, six dollars. Did you say in New York it's something insane? It's like nine dollars yeah. like nine dollars a pack or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, so it's actually worth noting at this point, I mean, what cigarettes might cost more than? I mean, at a certain point, cigarettes will, in fact, exceed the, the, the price of gold, I would imagine, because there is there's just that idea that no matter what you're charging for, no matter how much the tax is, people are going to continue to, to smoke, right? I mean, that's the government's got to know that that's the one tax they can impose that nobody will ever complain about. And if they do, it doesn't matter because they're going to pay it anyway without without much complaint. Right. And I spoke to a lot of smokers, actually, and and many said that, you know, it is getting more expensive, especially with states now imposing taxes as well, uh, some up to a dollar more. So, um, you know, people were saying, I can't pay nine, ten dollars a pack for cigarettes and maybe that'll make me quit. But the truth is, it's easier said than done. Yeah. I got to wonder if they if the government does that in some way, because the how shall I put this, Uh, because the pool of available smokers to tax is probably shrinking with every passing year, because I think it seems to me that probably fewer people are starting smoking now and maybe maybe not. But I mean, that would be my read on it. And then, you know, about every uh, eight or nine months when they do the actuarial tables, they just find that, you know, X number of them have sort of ended up in an iron lung somewhere. So the government's probably going to make up that 
it probably is a revenue shortfall at this point if people are going to are going to quit smoking. Well, and this tobacco tax was also designed to help finance the expanded state children's health insurance program that President Obama signed earlier this year. So it kind of goes hand in hand with health insurance, taxing tobacco. Uh, just and real quickly before I ask you about this, uh, the computer virus thing, that's something I'm always curious about, too, because every single thing. Uh, that the government rolls out is big. It's always ostensibly to benefit children somewhere. It's like a school, or it's a children. It's children's health care, or it's like Head Start, or whatever. And and it, I was. Kind of, I'm not saying that's not the case, but I am. There is part of me that is deeply suspicious of that claim because, like for example, you get you know in Oregon, where people are smoking and drinking and gambling a lot, a lot, all the time, constantly. And yet every year they seem to need more money for the high school down the street from me. So I, it is worth asking whether or not that money just ends up like in a big landfill somewhere. Um, on the uh, the virus thing, there's the computer virus going around today that I was sort of anticipating coming to work and everything was going to be uh, was going to be completely uh, you know bonkers. But I guess it didn't happen. Is it did it not come to pass that this virus that was going to destroy everything did so? Well, it, it had, nothing really has happened significant yet, but uh, experts are still waiting. The, the thing with this. This worm, which is called the Confecker worm, it, it's something that they just don't know because it's the unknown harm. So that's the scariest aspect of it. And apparently it's already infected millions of computers, and it's just waiting for instructions from its creator before actually spawning these symptoms. And, and the big fear, too, is it could be used for any number of things, whether it's stealing bank details, sending spam emails, crashing websites. They just don't know. I find it uniquely disturbing that you use the phrase, it's waiting for instructions from its creator. I mean, that sounds like some sort of, that's like a T-1000 uh, prowling through Los Angeles kind of a thing. Well, this, this uh, configure worm kind of sounds like that when you, uh, when you look at it, because just the unknown factor, plus, you know, no one really knows exactly how like how it got into certain computers however it there is a gap in microsoft um windows versions and that's how that they they got in there so they're saying that the updated versions of windows aren't susceptible and also if you're a mac user you're in the clear all right well that's good to know tim are you happy to hear that you bet mac users are always in the clear sarah dylan you're in the clear I am in the clear. Excellent, fantastic. I think, in fact, I believe all four of us here. I think Sarah Timberchi, myself, all four of us are on the uh, we're on the Mac thing. Although, I, I should say that at this point, I am just so utterly uh, convinced of Windows fallibility in all things that I never download or open anything ever, ever, ever. I just don't. I just avoid it because I just I, like assume that fifty percent of the things that arrive in my inbox will just cause my computer to be set on fire. And when you say it's waiting for, just to, to clarify this. When you say it's waiting uh, on in, uh, for instructions from its creator, I mean, is that is that sort of? I mean, are you speaking figuratively, or is it really just like some corpulent high schooler that's sitting in a basement somewhere with his finger over the kill switch and he's just waiting for the right moment to press it? Well, we don't know the author of the the program, so basically, someone these someone or pe- multiple people they created this program. It's very well written. It's already infected so many computers. And now it's waiting for these instructions. And then when it gets those, then we'll find out what it does. So it has to, like, it could touch, like, say you're typing. It could track what you're typing. It could it could track Social Security numbers and bank information. We just don't know, and they're waiting kind of for that to happen. And also some experts are saying that if something doesn't happen today, that doesn't mean it won't happen in the coming days because there's been so much publicity around this that uh, they, they could technically activate this at any time. Well, that's great. I'm going to live the rest of my day in fear. Thanks a lot. I appreciate that. 
All right. Amanda Moyer from the CNN Radio Center in Atlanta. Thank you, Amanda. My pleasure. Right, there you go. Amanda Moyer, ladies and gentlemen. Now, I'm just picturing, what's it, the Butters from South Park as Professor Chaos or something? Is huddling underneath the uh, huddling underneath the kitchen table with his dad's uh, you know laptop, just getting ready to... When they say it's waiting on instructions from its creator, I find that... That's a really creepy phrase. It's a creepy phrase because it doesn't mean that it, like it's one thing if it's automated or if it's you know if it's waiting for like uh, you know a certain time to hit or something or if it's waiting for the clock to strike at two p.m. Looks like a creature with huge tentacles pushing button. Begin, <laughs> begin, begin. Yes, take wing, my children. <laughs> Tim Riley's working on the following headlines on this uh, Wednesday morning. Well, let me tell you, I just got this letter. And I won't say who she is, but it says, For the love of God, shut up about Bo, Bo Breedlove. Nobody cares. The city is moving on. Well, they're going to be moving on in the line to get his autograph on Saturday. And people do care. Bo Breedlove's people do. I They're would imagine that the... Make appearances I knew everywhere. we were going to get angry ones. I, haven't, I, I saw one that says Bo effing Breedlove, and I haven't I think that's yet. probably the same one. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be... Everybody cares. Well, well the... then she does... I'm, I'm excited. I am. It doesn't, have, it doesn't matter if anybody else is excited. Well, <laughs> he is... Well, he is he gets everyone excited, apparently. Yes, he does, Tim. Yes, I've been looking at this issue of Unzipped, and he is a hairy man. He it's just the, an accident uh, that that was left here. <laughs> he is the... He's the he I is love the, our job that I get to look because at. Because the city has moved on, we're not interested at all. He is, the, uh, he is the creation of and resolution for all manners of excitements, uh, I would imagine. Honestly, I love that it's encouraged to look at gay porn at work. That's because you're in the studio. You can do that mm-hmm. here. Well, I guess it lifts everyone's spirit. The... Um, Yes, it does, Tim. We'll go out on that. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. It is Wednesday morning. It's 503-733-2970. Still ahead, Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer. We'll talk to Cena Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins, and we'll have the top five songs written by a band about another band. At the news desk, it's Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. The private sector axes 742,000 jobs in March. That is very, very bad. A terrible number. It's almost a loss of three-quarters of a million jobs, which is possibly the highest they've seen over the length of this crisis. Now, locally, Avras will lay off 225 workers at their Portland Spiral Pipe and Steel Mill. There is some good news. 100 employees will return to work at County Coach. Those are those luxury coaches like the Winnebago's. They're one of the uh, biggest employers of Lane County. They have filed Chapter 11 to stay in business and will get some money from Wells Fargo. Well, a lot of people have a lot of time on their hands, and uh, they're trying to use a little Yankee ingenuity to pass the time. A man in Ohio was riding a motorized bar stool. Did you hear right? That's correct, a motorized bar stool. Apparently, he, he attached, you've probably seen pictures of this on the Internet, he attached this to a lawnmower and uh, crashed it into a house and apparently hit his head. He would. He was drinking. A 911 call was placed by the man's friend, and the operator initially thought the man had just fallen off the bar stool. Well, he's riding the bar stool. Okay. Motorized bar stool. Okay. New York Police Emergency. We're sending a squad over there for a gentleman who wrecked him a motorized bar stool. They all sound very sophisticated. He's got uh, alcohol on board. All alcohol. Right. That's, uh, that's just two syllables there. He's, he's got alcohol. Alcohol. Yeah. yeah. 
The, I thought you said the was it earlier that we heard that he was going like 35 or 40 miles an hour? It didn't really seem possible looking at the photograph of that, especially if it's just a lawnmower. He might have been going downhill. I mean, unless, although I will say this, you know, speaking of Yankee ingenuity, really, a guy who uh, a guy who fixates on a particular idea like that, especially one that is centered around alcohol, that could really become a labor of love, I think, pretty quickly. And a man can, uh, I would say, consume a lot of mental candle power deciding to uh, deciding to soup up said automobile. So the owner of this uh, motorized uh, bar stool, Kyle Weigel of Ohio, says he was not drunk when he wrecked, but he did drink a half bottle of whiskey after the crash because he had a headache. <laughs> At least he didn't go for the I had to steady my nerves defense. Mm-hmm. All right, fantastic. Let's see if I uh, I can get this one. Do we have audio of him consuming said bottle of whiskey, Tim? They are transferring data at this moment. Well, we'll get back to it anyway. Uh, if you lost your job, GM will help you make car payments, but you have to buy a GM car by the end of this month. Are you sure this isn't an April Fool's joke? No, no. GM kind of does everything that everyone else does, but they do it half-assed. <laughs> That's the actual which technical is, term is, for which it. Which is keeping with their business model. It's almost hard to believe that they're losing billions of dollars every <laughs> They'll pay up to $700 a month per year to anyone who buys a new car by the end of the month. So, but Now, Hyundai's doing the thing, though, where if you lose your job... Mm-hmm. You'll just if you lose your job, I think, uh, or if you just decide, what is it? What is Hyundai doing? Because uh, let's, I want to figure this out because there's like three different versions of this. So what is Hyundai? Doing? And Hyundai's been doing it for a while. But if you if you buy a car, but if you get laid off within the next year, they'll take the car back. Is it that you have to be laid off? You can't just. It's not like a, you can just bring it back if you're if for any reason you have to be laid off. Yes. Okay, so Hyundai will let you bring it back within a year if you get laid off. Chrysler, I think. Or was it Ford? Is Ford making Ford your payments for a full pay year? Seven hundred a month for a year. If you get fired and loses their job. All yeah. right. And then General Motors' response to that is, well, we'll do that, except it's going to be for thirty days. Also, you less you, than thir- yeah, yeah, thirty days. If, beginning today. Got to buy. Got to buy the car sometime this month. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, good for you, General Motors. You know what that is? It doesn't come as any surprise, by the way, that that is the same week that the federal government decided to take over that company, because that's the. Uh, that's the kind of efficiency and common sense that one associates with uh, large groups of politicians deciding something. Yeah, their vice president says they'll make payments up to nine months, but you have to buy them by the end of the month. We will pay the balance of what you owe in your payments. and You don't have to finance your GMAC, just any contract and what NADA retail value is. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Oh, I see you got your pencil sharpened, by the way. I did. I found a pencil sharpener. So There's a pencil the sharpener? That's what I, exactly what I said. So Tim comes into my <laughs> office this morning. I was there just perusing uh, gay porn, as is my want. Uh, as, everybody, as everyone in Portland's going to be doing the next couple of days, <laughs> exactly. because everybody wants to forget about Bob bro, bro Breedlove and just move on. It's the hip new thing, Tim. It's what everybody's doing. It's what everyone in the office can agree on. It's the porn that everybody at work loves. Um, anywho, oh, by the way, don't, and don't you just know this, despite uh, you know, the proclamations, the quote, everybody is sort of done with this. Because we're going to have uh, Bo Breedlove in the studio on Friday, and I can already anticipate uh, just sort of salespeople by the drove just fluttering down here like perverse moths to a hot gay flame. Oh, no, it's going to be ridiculous. I've already had <laughs> a lot of Is this the way to the coffee pot? Exactly. People we've never seen before. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, all of a sudden, I'm going to acknowledge our existence. <laughs> I was just looking for some shoelaces. Are uh, they I'm here? here to borrow a cup of sugar for kink. <laughs> what kind of kink are you talking about, Tim? Wah, wah. 
I like that. Nah, it's a patented <laughs> morning show here. Anyway, um, so I'm sitting in my office this morning, and I'm looking at the uh, at the unzipped uh, magazine, which they dropped off in advance of Bo Breedlove's appearance on the because show. Because we're all moving on. Yes, we are. Because we've, because <laughs> we're Jim, all we've, moving on to unwrap the magazine. Just, See, I think if it still entertains us, then maybe it's entertaining to other people. It's you know, what this recession needs. You know, if it entertains other people, that's just incidental, uh-huh. Sarah. It really is just about amusing ourselves. So today I'm sitting in the office, and I'm looking at the magazine or whatever, and Tim comes in. And he's holding this pencil in his hand, and if I recall correctly, it was actually like a full-on blunt-ended pencil. Like, I didn't even have... It's a brand-new pencil. Like for, A, like, where did you even get a brand-new pencil? You can buy them at a pencil store. I, did you go to the pencil <laughs> store and buy it? I went to the pencil-tarium. Pardon me, is this the pencil-ria? I was, uh... Early. No, there'll no, no, always, not... There'll always be a need for pencils. Let me ask you this. Is there a pencil other than a number two? Yes, there Everybody are. says you must use a number two pencil. What, what other pencil mechanic, would you possibly be using? There are mechanical pencils that they use for drafting that are smaller. Why does it have to be a number two pencil? I don't know. I, I believe that's what the old computers could only read when you circled in those But ovals. there are different densities for pencils, too. Like, there are a ton of different kinds of pencils. I know that they make a pencil that you can use to mark on film. So maybe that's like a really soft kind of yeah, a when lead. I, when I was studying art in school, I mean, yeah, we would have like full-on... like entire case full of different types of pencils. Don't you suspect that that thing about, hey, you have to use a number two pencil, don't you just know in your heart that that probably hasn't been true for like 40 years, but it's a thing they just say every year because it, it's like the you can't use your cell phone on the plane or it'll blow up mm-hmm. thing, which is obviously a lie. Well, I think that's the first thing they teach teachers at teacher's college. They've that's never like bothered chapter one. You know, that's like, uh, that comes from some uh, teaching equivalent of our um, 1965 handbook of radio publicity and promotions. Mm-hmm. That's it, where it says right at the top, don't, if you use anything but a number two pencil, the entire system, the ENIAC computer that we keep in the back room uh, will begin to smoke uncontrollably. So you went to the, the pencil-rama and you bought a box of pencils. First of all, why? I use them for bookkeeping at home. All right. I thought you did everything electronically. I do, but I, I have to, as I'm putting everything in automatic, into uh, my Quicken, I have to check it off and underline and highlight some things because I have to go back and reconcile. Using a pencil at this point just seems like using chopsticks. It's, you know, it was, I guess it was an innovation at one point, but it's been surpassed by superior technology. There's well, just no reason to cling to it. You don't want to mark your monthly statements because you may want to erase it and go back. That's the voice of adulthood right there, by the way. That's, you can t- that is the particular tone of voice that a responsible grown man uses. That is a voice that never comes out of my mouth, and there'll be no variation on that coming out of Sarah's mouth at any nope. point. So Tim walks into my office and he says, Do you have, says, where can I sharpen this pencil? And it was the weirdest thing. You know what it was? It was like... Um, it was like when you're trying to uh, 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 start like a really old, old rototiller that's been in your tool shed for quite some time. It's been there for like six, seven, eight, nine years. You haven't used it. Or if there's a file deep in your computer that you haven't opened in a long time and you click on it and it takes the computer a while to sort of, you know, to, to, to get it or transfer it or fire it up or something. That's what it was like when you asked me where to sharpen a pencil this morning because for the life of me, I didn't know. And frankly, I still don't know. If you asked me, and I was surprised that you cared because you had the bold Breedlove mat. Well, you hadn't opened it yet. If there was, I mean, if, <laughs> four o'clock in the morning, I barge into someone's. How can I sharpen this pencil? If somebody, somebody's a little early for hardcore gay porn. What time is appropriate for that, Sarah? <laughs> Would that be now? I think it might be now. Okay. I'm just saying, just to wrap this whole thing up, that if you put a gun to my head and told me I had to go sharpen a box of pencils, I don't think I could. Uh, I don't think I could do it because I have no idea where the pencil sharpener even is. It's right next to our laser printer, but it's an old one from the 70s, which means it's not 
very well built. Like everything in the 70s, so you have to go gentle with it. It's, it's lacking all those late 90s innovations in the sharpening of a pencil. Yes. All right. Is it the weird? Does it have the strange, like the dial on the side? No. For different? Which, which, that's I, another that's, thing. That's the kind of pencil sharpener I like. But and no one ever no uses that found. either. What other size of pencil is there? There's no other. There may be different leads in your pencil. There's no other size. That thing on the side is completely superfluous. I think there, yeah, there I disagree. Are art pencils. Yeah, there, there are, are art pencils that are thicker. And they're also like you know like kooky pencils that you can get from like you know Lincoln City or with a clown head on the end sizes. of it. <laughs> Even the one that's like a, a foot tassel. long. Yeah. The one that's like the, the one that's like the size of a uh, it's like the size of a spear. All right. Oh, no. you in New York. There's one in the shape of the Statue of Liberty. And then you know, and the, you always have the kooky relative, by the way, that has that on their desk. And then as they're writing out their Christmas letter to the entire family, the photograph is portrait of the author. And then it's and then it's like your idiot cousin clutching a comically large pencil writing the family missive. All right. Well, I stand corrected. I guess if you're going to... So there are places to sharpen pencils in every office. All you have to do is ask. <laughs> this life lesson has been brought to you by Tim Riley. Pencil sharpeners, my final note on this. As we wrap up, I think, our 50th minute discussing the sharpening of wooden implements that you used to it write. There's only one pencil. I'm going to bring a whole handful but tomorrow. Let me ask you this. Did you ever do this? Did you ever open a pencil sharpener and just kind of look at the gears and the sort of rotating weird, synth, uh, those like cylindrical blades inside? It's kind of impressive, actually, when you look at it. Like, I couldn't build one of those. Mm. You I can't would build it any better. In a, weird, in a weird kind of way, the pen is sort of less impressive. Because a pen, I mean, you figure, okay, if you've got a jar of ink and you've got a plastic tube, all right, well, you know... The ink goes in the tube, and you know, and it kind of gets, uh, you know, there's pressure, and it gets squeezed out, and then you're you're done. The pencil, in um, you know, in some ways, is actually a little bit more uh, staggering of an invention because, first of all, I don't know how you get, I don't even know what lead is made out of because it's not real lead, right? I'm not sure what a pencil. It's minerals. That is a totally <laughs> fake know. answer. It's science, Rick. I, 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 think it's made, I think it's made out of Ticonderoga because that's what it says on the pencil. No, I think Ticonderoga is a. I think that's a. I think that was a civil war. Uh, I think that was a oh, civil war are, battle. Those are the pencils that the Indians used. I think. Isn't it graphite? Isn't like stone, like stone or something? What do you mean they were the pencils the Indians used? That doesn't make any sense. Well, some, uh, some of the boxes of those pencils have a picture of an Indian on them. So I, I would imagine they're they're ancient American customs. <laughs> Yes, the pilgrims came here, and they were rewarded with a box of freshly sharpened number two Ticonderoga pencils, Tim. But we invented the pencil sharpener. <laughs> I think the white man invented the eraser. That's what the, uh, that's what the white man invented, Tim. No, no, no. Let's, uh, shall, we sign, uh, shall we sign treaty in ink? No, no, no. Let's, uh, let's sign that treaty in, the, in pencil. The no, pencil no, no. We'll... stick is made of graphite, so Sarah Dillon is correct. Uh, don't worry. Yes, we'll... there you go. Don't worry. We'll, we'll keep it our word. It could be charcoal also. All right. Uh, hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio Show. Please rescue us from this pencil-filled hell. No pencil talk, please. Thank right. you. Hi. Hi, good morning. Um, it's a little early for me. I was up late last night watching The Room. <gasps> you mean the the, the, uh, the movie? The hit film from Los Angeles? Oh, yeah. And what did you think? Okay, well, first of all, understand I'm watching this on regular cable. What channel was it on? Cartoon Network. Fantastic. That's wonderful. During Adult Swim, my family guy was doing it on my TiVo, and I'm looking at it, I go, well, this is some random bad movie. This is a really bad, this is The Room. <laughs> so first of all, so A, it was on the Cartoon Network, which is fantastic because it's not a cartoon, uh-huh. and B, it was, was it the full-length film, I and mean, was it all 90 minutes or whatever? Oh, yeah, and they blanked out, um, like, box, uh, black boxed all the nudity, and then just bleeped the uh, vulgarities. 
Well, let me, just, let me just say this, by the way, about the movie The Room. So the movie The Room is this sort of under... Well, I guess not... A, if it's on the Cartoon Network, I think it is now officially uh, uh, not an underground phenomenon anymore. So it is this movie that kind of made the sort of indie circuit in uh, Los Angeles after having just a couple night run at a place called the... I think it's called the Lamela Fairfax or Lamela Fairfax? Lamely. Lamely. Really? Lamely. Okay, Lamely. Because that's the one... Uh, it's in Beverly Hills, right? Named after Carl Lamely. Pondering Universal Studios. There you go. He's a film historian, Tim Riley. So it played there for like two days because the guy booked it himself, the guy who made this movie, The Room, which is awful. Mm. And I guess because he made a lot of money in the clothing business, even after the movie had closed, he just kept a billboard up for the movie. The billboard's still forever. up. Forever. I think, I don't think so. I think somebody told me it actually has been down now for about, uh, uh, for about three or four weeks. That it actually just oh, was taken okay, down because so he didn't need the publicity anymore. And it's this awful film that was so bad, it became a thing that everybody in Hollywood was sort of watching. And David Cross started was talking about it, and I think Judd Apatow and that whole, you know, his whole group of folks were, it were into it. was the inspiration for Arrested Development, like for, for, and some, for the uh, chicken dance. Where they were doing the caw caw thing on Arrested <laughs> Development. That comes from the room. And then Entertainment Weekly did a big piece about it. Dave Zinn at the front desk here at KUFO saw that, got it, lent it to Sarah. Sarah told her friends. Sarah told me about it. I watched it. Now I'm telling people about it. And now it's on Adult Swim, which is fantastic, but it's just bizarre. And here's the thing about that movie. Lauren and I had a friend over for dinner on uh, Saturday, and we were trying to figure out what to watch. We were going to watch a movie, and I think we ended up watching a mystery science theater film. But we almost watched The Room. And the only thing that stopped us from watching The Room is it was like me and Lara and this other guy... And there's all these just excruciatingly long sex scenes. Well, it's just the three at the beginning. Just the three almost back-to-back for the first half an hour. I know. As soon as you get through, like, the, the porny sex scenes, then it gets good. And and you I, just have to buckle down through the, the sex scenes. And the thing about it is they're almost totally unerotic. There's just nothing arousing about them at all, but they just go on endlessly. I mean, they just never end. So what were your impressions of uh, as you were watching this movie, The Room, last night, sir? Uh, one, I was way too damn late to be up. No. Uh Two, thank God for TiVo, so I can watch it uh, in its entirety. Um, oh, here's a great thing about it. Uh, across the bottom, about every minute and a half, I'd say, uh, copying copyright material is wrong or something. Do not do this. Well, and they're saying that because it became such a bootleg phenomenon that everybody was copying it, just passing it. It became like the kind of like the Star Wars Holiday Special, where it's just the friends uh, the copying it for friends. Did they, At any point, did the Cartoon Network, you know, because the great thing about Adult Swim is they run those little interstitial announcements where it's just the bracketed white text on the black background. At any point did they say, like, yes, you're watching Cartoon Network. No, this isn't a cartoon, but it is still Cartoon Network. I think they rushed this thing in. I mean, quite honestly, I think they just slid it in with the, uh, just, uh, we got to do it, the boss is out for the weekend, let's do this. I love the idea that you you do kind of get the sense, uh, and maybe this is just a marketing ploy or whatever, you watch Adult Swim, you do kind of get the feeling that maybe some of the other people at that network, like the higher-ups at Viacom or whatever, don't really know what goes on there after about uh, 10 o'clock at night, because it just seems to be the most loosely organized chaos at that place, which is what makes it so... Uh, I remember the first time I was watching Harvey Birdman. I was sitting there on the couch, and I was just thinking, like, what in the F is this? How did this get on television? I mean, it's fantastic. But you're like, who, whoever would have approved the making of this cartoon? And they used to have Astro Boy on, too. That's right. Right, and on, well, on, on Christmas, they played the episode of Astro Boy's parents getting killed. Yeah. Hey, hey, Rick. It's the happiest Christmas ever, except for him. Yes? And, hey, Rick, just to finish this up, I think the, the perfect marriage of, of all worlds, keep the room going by using the guys from MST3K, Joel and the crew, to do that movie. Oh, you mean to do the commentary for it? Oh, yeah. It wouldn't surprise Well, you know, because the deal is if you go to Rift Tracks, uh, R-I-F-F-T-R-A-X.com, Rift Tracks.com is Mike, Kevin, 
and uh, the other guy whose name I can never remember, Mike Kevin and the other guy from Mystery Science Theater, um, Crow, Servo, and Mike Nelson, and they do downloadable accompaniments to contemporary films. This weekend I watched The Happening with Mark Wahlberg, mm-hmm. and the only way that that movie is palatable is with, is with that accompaniment. So I would suggest that you do that, sir. Oh, well, thank you. All right. Have a good morning. Thank, thank you, everybody. Thank you. All right. We come back. Yes, we've got numerous, numerous observations about pencils that we'll get to here. Oh, boy. Stacking up the top. My kind pencils. of program. That's, uh, that's the way to attend, Tim. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. You're lying. I never hit you. You are tearing me apart, Lisa. Thank you. Well done. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. It is Wednesday morning, and good morning to you, Portland, Oregon. It's 503-733-2970. Just ahead, news from Tim Riley later on. Cena radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins, Dorothy Carcassari for the National Enquirer. Oh, and I've got some more air checks. Now, I haven't heard these. So we, are they? These are Lisa Woods. These are the ones you told me about yesterday, but I haven't... I deliberately didn't listen to them yesterday because I want to sort of hear them fresh. So we were playing, I guess, on Friday, maybe it was, uh, some of uh, news director Tim Riley's previous work. This is when you were at Kay Hay in Pasadena. Ventura, Santa Barbara. Playing country songs for the common folk. Yep. Songs and, of the earth people. That's right, Tim. Better than you and I, the common clay of the new west. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Sarah, of course, used to be on uh, K&RK in the mornings. And then I have the air checks, which is the myriad formats. All, I mean, the formats were bad, but it's like... That's even if the, that's not an excuse. Even if the formats had been good, if they'd been well executed, I would have performed uh, badly because I just had no talent uh, at being, you know, like a five in a row kind of DJ. This is not a thing I can do. No, and Lisa, I listen to a bunch of her air checks, and she does have very diverse talents. I have to say, each one is very different from the other one. And so this is KUFO Promotions Director Lisa Wood, who I guess before because she was in Seattle for a long time. She, she was in Seattle. She worked on um, KXP K- in Seattle. She was. I that, think she's still there, isn't she? Um, still yeah, sometimes. Thing? Yeah, and then um, she was, uh, remember the T-Man in yes. Seattle on Cube? Yes. She worked with him. She was like stunt girl for a while. At KUBE. Yeah, yeah, which was her like, holy hell, which I've heard her tell stories about it. And there are some air checks from that, too, which There's is just There's one from KISW, amazing. and I'm seeing this one here from KJR, which is pretty uh, which is pretty fantastic. KJR is kind of a legendary station. So we'll get uh, those here in just a few. Higher on the Rick Emerson Radio Show. It is Wednesday morning. Who might you be? I would be Christian. Hello, sir. How can I help you today? I had a couple observations about pencils. One of them was that the reason they're yellow is mildly racist. Uh, Back in the day, uh, turn of the century, they wanted to, uh, the best lead, the best graphite came from China. And so if you had a yellow pencil, then that came from China and therefore was better than the other. This is the the, uh, white man's horrific marketing techniques at work. Right, right. All right. Well done, Whitey. Right. And then the other thing, you mentioned pulling the thing off and looking at the weirdo gears inside the pencil The pencil sharpener. sharpener, which is weird, man, because it it looks like something out of, I mean, it really, it looks like something out of uh, Dune. Or is it, when you open it up and there's those two interlacing cylindrical sharpeners, and they've got those, the, they almost look like threads on a screw. You know what right. I mean? Where it's like almost like a double helix, except that it sharpens your pencil. And here's the other thing. Do you ever think about this? You put your, uh, when you put your pencil in there, that it only, that it does sharpen it down to a point. In other words, that it doesn't just go and grind the whole thing down equally or just grind the tip off. That it sharpens it down to a very fine point in a sort of descending angle. And those blades never get dull. That's the okay. That's a good question. Why don't the blades get dull, sir? Answer me. They do eventually, but you know it, the 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 lead and the wood is so soft to be that. Um, oh, I see. It, 
yeah. So it doesn't really, so it's not taxing the sharpness in any real way. Right. All right. The other, but the, imagine those gears as wheels on a tractor or a forklift. Let's all do it now. Hold on. Okay, I'm imagining it. Yes? Um, there's a thing that was on boingboing.net a while ago that showed uh, 1930s or 1920s uh, a promo, uh, ad video for these big drum spiral uh, wheel set that you could put on your tractor, and then your tractor could go over the snow. And uh, this was a wonderful little video of this tractor just plowing, silent movie tractor flying. And when you see stuff like that, and like when you realize that the pencil sharpener was created about 140 years ago or something, that, I mean, I'm just saying for myself, that's when you realize that you're just not that bright. Because it's right. in 2009, and I've got, you know, all my, I mean, all the jokes I make about Windows notwithstanding, I've got what is essentially a supercomputer at my disposal in front of me all the time. I can't create anything. I can't create anything but a waste of time for people. That's it. Uh, that, you know, and meanwhile, some guy, you know, you know, grew up in the woods eating dirt, you know, and he created the, uh, you know, he created the pencil sharpener. Just it just staggers the imagination. It really does. All right. Thank you, sir. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is Tim Riley at the News Desk. In the News with Tim Riley. Well, we have a lot to talk about today. First, you probably heard about this guy. He builds a motorized bar stool. This Kyle Wigley fellow. He has a lot of time to spare in Ohio where he lives. And apparently he hit a house while he was intoxicated. But he said he didn't drink till afterwards. He, he does admit to having a half bottle of whiskey after the crash because his head hurt. No, I was not drunk when I wrecked it. Was that the first time you had ever crashed one? Yeah. How did wow. it crash? I honestly don't know. <laughs> I drank quite a bit after I wrecked because my head hurt so bad. I went in and I drank a half a bottle of whiskey. What do your friends think about it when you tell them the story? Oh, they all got a big laugh out of it. What happened to the motorized bar stool? They just broke a handle off of it and it's fine. Are you going to take it out again? Not Nork. Not what? Nork? Not Nork. Oh, not Nork. Which is the town in Ohio with the uh, This is an implausible story that he's peddling, by the way. The idea <laughs> that... that... But, it, but he... it cheers everybody up. How'd you do that? I don't know. So he wasn't drunk when he wrecked it, but then right after he wrecked it, before he reported it, he went and drank a bottle of whiskey. Because his head hurt. His head hurt. drank so much, actually, so that he was blotting out memories from before he was drunk. From, like, you know, hours and hours and hours before that. Also, well, they need something to cheer themselves up. They had no Bo Breedlove over there. No, they don't, Tim. <laughs> not a, uh, not like this studio this coming Friday when uh, Bo Breedlove will... Uh... We're moving on to more Bo Breedlove stories. Hey, where did the copy of Unzipped go? I not that I really care. I don't know where it went. I'm just, uh -oh, somebody stole it. I'm just making sure we don't lose track of that because that it's seems like It's probably in the stenography pool upstairs by now. Well, okay, you, you can have it back. I feel dirty looking at the rest. I mean, it's like pretty gnarly in there. I don't really care. I'm just saying if it... Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying, if it ends up vanishing out of the studio somehow, you know that it's going to end up. It's going to be like, um, it's going to be like in the principal's office, you know, where you go and, and all like, of our fingerprints are all over. There's me. your stack of Mad magazines sitting on the desk, and he goes, "Do you want to tell me about these, Richard? You know, school policy prohibits any satiric uh, publications from being brought here." So it's, uh, yeah, see now, I, what is it that you hand me this and I just immediately open it and start thumbing through it? No, it's, it's one of those things you just can't put down, I suppose. That's right, Tim. I'm helpless before its power. Yeah, the Bo Breedlove thing is pretty tame to, compared to everything else. No, I opened it up and I immediately saw it was a guy going guy going to work. So uh, yeah. I, uh, I I decided that I'd look at that and after it's just the like show. An, and it covers all aspects of. Yes, it does, Sarah. Love. Well, they give uh, they are giving uh, 
As their slogan indicates, this magazine... I guess people want more of Bo Breed love. <laughs> they are giving headlines, Tim. Uh, that's oh. what the uh, magazine says here, including, uh, including an article on creepy clown sex. Which, which I'll be, couldn't uh, find, which I keep on. trying to find, but then I keep getting off. Is that going to be your excuse? No, 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 I only read it for the creepy clown sex article. <laughs> I did read the Bo Breed love article. All right. Here's another one. Take it like a man. Oh, this is a whole article about appliances that one might wear. Apparently, they're not just for lesbians anymore. i got to put this down. All right, I'm sorry. That's, uh, that's not representative of the Rick Emerson Show's humor. We try not to work blue. Mm-hmm. Here's Tim Riley. Well, it's time to move on, at least for five minutes. Then there's this woman who drove 100 miles an hour, even more, to teach her grandson a lesson about speeding. This happened in Marion County. She's driving more than 100 miles an hour. And they pull her over. She's driving a Mazda, so I guess it's capable of going 100. This is the highest recorded speed ever on Hilor Road in Marion County. The driver of the car is 55-year-old Sandra Nardi. She told the officer she was trying to show her 10-year-old grandson the dangers of driving too fast. She told him that several people had died on Hilo Road because they were driving too fast, and it was a popular place for teens to drive dangerously. Do you get the feeling that as they're driving along, it's like John Candy in trains, planes, and automobiles, where the kid looks over and the, the mom is just like in a demon suit, cackling you know, demonically to herself? Is Hilo Road right next to Battle of the Sexes Road? Oh, possibly, yes. Right. That's a morning show joke. Yes, it is. Uh, so she's been arrested on uh, reckless driving charges and reckless endangerment. And she was taken to jail. Back on the lawnmower guy for a second, though. Uh, you'll note that I avoided calling him the lawnmower man because blah, 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 Job. Th- my question is, if he's claiming he wasn't drunk when he was driving the lawnmower that had been, yes, outfitted with a bar stool, I guess the only, like, we are then supposed to just accept the fact, which is probably even more disconcerting, that he's driving down the middle of the road and yet somehow veered into a house. I mean, a lawnmower is like about three feet across. Mm-hmm. And you got to figure your average street is maybe 25 feet across. Well, did anybody question, what are the brakes on this thing? Well, I, don't, I mean, that's a good question as well. So that maybe... come up in court. How would you do that, actually? I mean, you wouldn't even probably have a brake. You would probably have... Your feet like Fred Flintstone. But he must have added an additional motor to it because, I mean, a lawnmower, even if it's a self-propelled lawnmower, it's not enough to be carrying uh, some fat Ohio guy around. That's just not going to work. I mean, the, basically, the only thing a self-propelled lawnmower could do is crawl forward over very low grass. Mm-hmm. So, well, if it, I can put brakes on a soapbox derby car, I'm sure a guy who can make a motorized bar stool can put brakes on it. I guess. Does it say when he hit the house, mm-hmm. where would he? Where did he go to drink the whiskey? Did he go back home? Back home. Oh, I see. So he couldn't have gotten very far. Afterward. Afterward. I'm because sorry. Because he had a bad <laughs> headache. That's right. So that's a really good cover story, though. You got to give him kudos. Like he thought that one through. But it's like, don't you get the feeling he must have just hit the house next door if he was able to just walk back home and, and, and be. If he was able to get back home and consume allegedly half a bottle of whiskey before the cops could even get there, it's not like he got all the way across town on the thing anyway. So this is like, you know, Tim, it is what it is. Well, we had a say. powerful thirst. Most of your uh, most of your accidents do take place within half a mile of your home, kids. But but that is a handy contraption. If GM patented that and sold them at yes. a price that your everyday American could afford, yes, no, if really G- have something there. If GM decided to patent that and sell it, though, it would be the size of a house, and uh, it would get uh, three miles to the gallon. Here's Tim Riley. Natalie Cole went on Larry King last night to talk about her non-functioning kidneys. It's renal failure. Other than the fact that I was on chemotherapy earlier last year, there's nothing wrong with my kidneys. Other than the fact that she had renal failure, mm-hmm. she's in perfect health. Anything with failure is probably not a good thing in your body. Hey, maybe we should get out ahead of the curve on this, and we should record a uh, post-mortem duet with Natalie Cole. Let's do that today, just so we can be prepared for any eventuality. You know what I mean? Ooh, we should do one with her and her dad. Kind of like a Hank Hank Sr., Hank Jr., Hank 3 thing. You know what I mean? That does sound good. Come on, that's funny. It is funny. Let's talk about pencils. 
All right, it's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Still ahead, Lisa Desjardins from Capitol Hill will be joining us today. And later on, Dorothy Cassisari from the National Enquirer. I've got these. Uh, I've got these air checks from Lisa Wood that I will uh, I will queue up right here. Tim Riley's working on the following headlines on this Wednesday morning. I, I'm pouring through these pencil emails. I, pencil? Are you up to your eyebrows and pencil observations? Because I'm getting it too. I am too. Well, this is the thing we've sort of learned, uh, that if you ask, and by you I mean me, because I never understand how anything works. It's like that day that Sarah and I couldn't figure out what a womb was. I mean, I know that it's a thing Will where... Will you be- stop referencing that every time you say that? Are you hoping we'd, feels- we'd left that behind yes. uh, when we moved to KUFO? I mean, I know that it's where babies come from, but I didn't... Uh, like, I didn't know if it was an actual scientific term like i thought maybe the womb was like a, like when you talk about your guts like it was a catch-all sort of description and it turned and then sarah didn't know either and, and it turns out that it is in fact just your your uterus so um you know but this is like that the thing about pencils and when they say it depends the point is we forget about charcoal pencils these pencils are softer and generally used for artwork and they're thicker see when they describe charcoal pencils don't you just picture a guy drawing with an actual piece of charcoal like a like a kingsford briquette that's what i always well picture. didn't you ever take art classes no no oh are you kidding? No, no, I did what not. What was I thinking? Well, they didn't. I didn't. Uh, they didn't ever really offer anything like that at my uh, at my school. We didn't have. They had no art. No, I mean, in, no. There's no art in Kennewick, and no hope, Tim. I mean, what would you possibly be taking an art class for in Kennewick? So when you you know you, you spend the rest. So as you're selling lug nuts uh, for the next Sorry, sixty years of your sketching life, sketching a picture of a nuclear reactor instead <laughs> of trees. <laughs> Let me draw a picture of my pain and despair. Uh, no, there were there weren't really any uh, any art classes to speak of. I mean, like you could get on like the yearbook or something. That was about okay. it. Uh, but no, and I and I have no talent at it. Like I have no visual. You don't know unless you take the class. Well, I know Sarah can tell you this. Sarah, you know I have no visual sense. No. I mean, I have no aesthetic at all. So I mean, I, I, I wish I did. It's just not a thing. Your your art is your is your voice. Yeah, exactly. And it's the and so and so because my art because the only uh, art I can really create is just uh, nattering on and on about Firefly or whatever. They packed me off to the vocational skills center across town, which was just a thinly veiled euphemism for troublemaker kids, <laughs> because it was us, the metal shop kids, the pregnant moms, uh, and like the auto guy, like the guys who were like caught like Dennis Pitsenbarger types, like the auto repair dudes. Mm-hmm. So if you were going to be a mechanic, if you were going to be uh, a mom at the age of 15, if you were going to be there was I swear to God, there was a class at the vocational skills center where they would just teach you how to run a cash register so you could be a checkout clerk. It was like a, a napkin dispenser. Exactly. It was uh, it, it was it was a whole like learning by doing school, mm-hmm. which I realize now was just so they could get all of the, the kind of ne'er do well kids. And it wasn't like I was a hooligan. I just didn't. Like 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 I have no illusions that I was somehow like uh, like edgy or you know or whatever. It wasn't like I was a badass in any way. It's just that I was a terrible student and I was a bad influence on others because I just didn't care. Mm-hmm. I just didn't care and they couldn't make me care. Uh, and and there was nothing they could do to get me interested in school. And so as a result, I would just sit there and be a distraction to others. And you would see all these things on my school record, like Richard thinks the rules apply to everybody but him. And then of course the ever popular. Could be a good student if only he would apply himself. Oh, the and apply himself thing I or never, herself. Yeah, I didn't apply my. Did you get that too? Oh yeah, if only because I hated studying. Right. Because they were just teaching you crap you knew you were no, never going to need. Yeah, it was awful. And like going to talk to my guidance counselor, and they're like trying to get you to figure out what you're going to do with your life. I'm like, I have no idea. Well, you know what it is. It's like when you run a virus scan on your computer, and something will crop up like this. Pock pock virus or whatever it is today. Whatever this thing is that they're saying is it going to ruin everything. This is the corn ficker. Exactly. 
as they uh, as the virus scanning software goes through your system, sometimes it'll say, we have identified the following virus. Would you like us to remove, repair, or quarantine? And what they will do is your uh, the virus scanning software will always try to repair it first, or, or rather remove it first, so it's totally gone off the machine. If your virus software can't fix it uh, or get rid of it, it'll try to sort of at least alter it so that it's not going so to be innocuous. And if the virus software can't fix it or remove it, it will just quarantine it, which means it creates a basically a separate sort of folder that the virus goes into so it can't touch anything else. That's what the vocational skills center was in Kennewick. We were just being quarantined because they couldn't mm. because they couldn't kick us out of school because I was still like 15. And they couldn't fix me because they couldn't possibly get me interested in the actual curriculum. So they just quarantined us. It was like me and a bunch of dudes covered in like what looked like jail has tattoos, but were clearly just like things that they... Did just, they have their names across their backs? No, they didn't. But it was. But you would see like my friend Eric who would sit there. Here's, here's the other kids that were in the vocational skills center with me. My friend Eric who would take ballpoint pens just like a paper mate. And he would break them open, and uh, he would get like a little pool of ink on his desk, and then he would just sit there with a thumbtack, and he would just dip a thumbtack into like his papermate ink, and create tattoos on his hand, which seems like an almost certain way to get some kind of blood poisoning, by the way. But you'd look over, and he would just be breaking apart pens and just dipping the thumbtack in the ink and creating a Mickey Mouse on his wrist. Uh, Why? Like, Not too bright. Like the two eyes and the lipstick? Exactly. Like his own senior winces. Yeah, I have some trashy friends who would do, like, the smiley face. Yeah. And my friend Monica, she had burned herself with a lighter. So, because um, I guess, like, you know, the bottom part of the lighter is kind of scooped like that. And then right. The two, the two prongs. Did she burn eyes. herself by accident? No, on purpose. Yeah, that's sick. <laughs> and let's <laughs> and not pretend it's not. And she had it on her hand, too. And so it's supposed to be, like, a burned smiley face. And it's all, like, you know, deformed and everything. She was doing, like, Heather's uh, Yeah, my style. friends were a lot tougher than me. I was too much of a wimp. See, that's my thing, too, is, like, I don't, yeah, in no way do I want to give the impression that I was, like, a, a hood or something. Because that wasn't the case. It was just, it was a catch-all place for just dirtbag kids who could not be made to learn. And that was, and that was my deal. Um, how do we get off into the subject? Vocational center, auto parts. Charcoal. Charcoal. Art oh, class. Char- so there was this year about taking an art class. So art classes, <laughs> I guess the answer was no. I mean, it, it, they certainly didn't offer it as just part of the regular curriculum. You know what I mean? Like, they didn't hear, like, another example, like, they didn't make it, like, there wasn't a music class that you just took. Like, you could be in band, like, you could take orchestra or something, but it wasn't like, you know, it's just part of being a student, they were going to have you learn about the, about music. So there was no just uh, sort of default art class that you would ever be enrolled in. So that's why I don't know what a charcoal pencil is. Final thought on on this, and then we're going to be done with it forever. The, the reason why I was asking if a pencil lead, if it was actual lead, is because I got real. Uh, my brain got bent in half some years ago when I found out that the when they would say that like you're when you have frosted flakes and it has you know iron that it is actually real iron. It's like actually tiny pieces of metal, which I didn't think was the case. And so now I'm just never sure. Uh, in just a moment, somebody has a question for Sarah Dillon. This, however, is Lisa Desjardins, CNN Radio Correspondent from The Hill. Good morning to you. Hi, hi. I was so excited to be on your show again, and then I messed it up and called in late. I'm and sorry. how do you feel about that? I'm sorry. I feel quite guilty. Uh, okay. It's good to hear your voice, Lisa. I know. Exactly. I was just going to email you guys and be like, what's up? All right. And I know that if I asked you to, and I won't because it would be awkward, but uh, I know that probably from memory you could recite the act of contrition right now. I could. All right. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll all do that later in the privacy of our own. later. Right, yes. exactly. We'll right. hide our light under a bushel later on in the day. That's a nice uh, act of contrition. That's a good reference. Yeah, you know, the act of contrition gets overlooked because everybody talks about, you know, everybody's sort of making a joke and they use a, a, a prayer-based punchline and they'll go right to the, and I want you to say seven Hail Marys and three right, Our Fathers. Right. Nobody I, ever goes for the act of contrition. That's for murderers. The act of contrition? I guess so. 
I mean, you have to do oh. something really bad to get. That's the longest one. No, 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 that, no. That's not. No, the active contrition's very short. It's very short, and it's got a blank in it, so you can say how many days it's what been. No, of? you're no. See, you're wrong too. That's also not Is correct. A, oh my god! Oh I'm my god! Sorry for having offended yes, me, and I detest. It. <laughs> Let me just. I'll do it right now. Hold on. This, uh, Rick Emerson will now recite the Catholic act of contrition. All right, let's do it. Oh, my God, I am heartily sorry for having offended thee, and I detest all my sins because of your just punishment, but also because they offend you, my Lord, who are all good and deserving of all my love, and I firmly resolve with the help of your grace to sin no more and to avoid the near occasions of sin. Amen. That's a different one than I got. Well, you got like a fancy New England act of contrition that was had was rimmed in gold leaf or something. <laughs> you, you got one that was all schmancy. I got the I got just a regular stock off the assembly list. Oh, you you must have got the Cliff Notes version because they know you kids had a short attention span. Well, you didn't. You you grew up Catholic. You weren't like yeah. Protestant or something. No, wouldn't we well, all have had the same? Isn't the whole thing with the, the Catholicism at least post Vatican II that it's all it's everything is the same? I guess not. I don't remember that. Version and what at are all. you talking about, Lisa? Where you're filling in the blank in a prayer? What well, is? I think th- I'm thinking of right after that, and you say it has been two weeks since my last confession. Mm-hmm. These are my sins. Did you do that? I, well, you do that when you're in confession, but the act of contrition is not just for the... I, I never that's started true. my confession with the act of contrition. That's true. That's right. That's right. That's so I, you would just go and you'd kneel down and then the little musty window would open and the, 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 <laughs> the silhouette like, and, and deep throat would appear on the other side and go, so where have you followed the money? And you'd say, uh, it's been three <laughs> months since my last... I was profane. Yes. All right. Well, let's never. I talk did about not this honor again. my mother and father. No. And that was always the one you'd say, right? Because you didn't <laughs> want to confess the things that you were really doing as a teenager, and you all know what we're talking about. And yeah. and so, but you didn't want to say nothing because that's a lie. Because you were obviously just, you know, you were guilty of something. And so you would pick dishonored mother and father because it was it was like a nice middle ground between hey, denial and confessing. You your mother and father. Right. I mean, like I would always just say, like I was disrespectful. I ate some candy I shouldn't have. <laughs> You know, uh, one time I did actually confess that I uh, made out with my teddy bear to the priest. <laughs> I actually told him that. Yeah, that was a tough. That was a tough one. Wow. Yeah. I um. I, what was his response? I, I don't. Tell me more, my child. The how old would you have been when you did this and then confessed it? Um, I think I was probably Please in say fifth or sixth grade. So that that's what like that's like twelve or thirteen maybe. Yeah, probably. And did you actually, in fact, make out with your teddy bear? How do you even? Ma- I mean, uh, how does one even make out with a teddy bear? I mean, there's I guess one can kiss a teddy bear, but making out uh, implies a certain vigorous. Uh, I'm suddenly thrust back into that confessional. Um, was, was it a giant teddy bear? Rough. It was a giant teddy bear. Yes. How did you guess, Sarah? That's kind of creepy. Well, because otherwise it would just be wrong. Otherwise, it's like you're molesting the bear. <laughs> who, who, who initiated it? We were, yeah, the bear was asking for it, Tim. We weren't the same side. <laughs> right. The bear was showing its ankles. <laughs> the, the, the bear cared about me. You don't Wow. What was the bear's name? Oh. Mr. Winkles? I don't know. This was not my main teddy bear whose name is Richard, but this is a different teddy bear. And honestly, I, I've, I feel bad. It was, it was a one-night thing. I, I moved on. I don't remember. Let me ask you this. Oh, my God. This is really weird. On a scale of one to ten, yeah. how surprised are you that you just had this conversation with us? Oh, ten. Good for you. Eleven. Well, see, now I feel like I've got to confess something weird, but I, I don't think I have anything. Um, And I would. I don't think I have anything on that level. Sarah? <laughs> No, she wins. Uh, you know, and <laughs> but I'll think of something. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I, if I had anything that I felt was the equivalent, I would actually, I would actually cop to it right now. But I don't, uh, but I don't think I do. <laughs> and I know better than to ask Tim because I know Tim doesn't. 
The only thing I remember about it is the priest asked me a lot more questions than I thought he would. I oh, thought I'd yeah. go in, but I think the priest was really trying to figure out, I mean, in hindsight, like, what exactly is this girl talking about? Was he trying to figure out if you were, like, what step of the serial killer development yeah, chart I you were probably was, at? Right, or, like, and was it really a teddy bear? Oh, you know? I see. So this is, and where did the teddy bear make you touch him? Right, it was kind of, it was really awful I experience. See. Was it an uncle bear? <laughs> uh, yeah, I understand. Okay, I, I see. That's, that would explain, I guess, why there are some further probing questions by the priest there. Yeah. But it's, did you do the face-to-face confession, or did you look at the little window? The little, you know, the, the screen? Window. Oh, I, I'm still kind of uncomfortable with the face-to-face. They started that when I was in uh, Catholic school, when I was around 7th or 8th grade. They started this weird, touchy-feely jazz where you're going to just sit down there. And it's like you're in the shrink's office where you just sit in the chair and you go, so, yeah, what can you say? Sin, come on. And you're just talking to the guy face-to-face, which weirds me out. I, I agree. I, I don't, yeah, I'm, I, I like the old school. Kind of, it could be the voice of God. Doesn't matter. And then you know, but each it, other. and it always sounded very weird. And then you would just get the uh, you know, and and even though you knew who the priest was, probably because again, he was a small parish. Maybe he's only a, you know a one or two priests there. But it did give you at least you could fool yourself into thinking that it was somehow anonymous and that he didn't know who you were, right. even though he clearly did since I was like an altar boy, for example. So he obviously <laughs> knew exactly who I was. Another reason not to confess any of the numerous the horrible things I was undoubtedly doing. Well, all right. Always, then. Like the one priest always had like a really long line and the other had a short line. No, oh, that was oh, that's true as well. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. There was a priest that you would angle to get confession with. <laughs> and there was always a priest that was known to give out really like hardcore penance. Right. Uh, where you'd have to say like, a, you know, I want you to go say a thousand Hail Marys and then lop off your pinky. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, and so you would try never, ever, ever to get that guy. And then final thought on confession. I remember hearing this as a, as a, as a young Catholic boy that um if you were at whatever, the Vatican or St. Peter's Cathedral, whatever it is, that every now and again the Pope would just like, just for a goof, would like go in and just be the guy sitting there taking confessions. You know, it's just sort of like how Springsteen will play a small club every now and again, just to, you know, to kind of keep his chops up. Like you go in there and, you know, the, 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 the little thing opens and it's the Pope. And is, you know, and then you're confessing your sins to the Pope, which has got to be great and weird, because you can't really tell people about that. When he does that, I hope that he somehow like rigs the lighting so like a huge beam of light shines behind him. <laughs> so he's music. so right. just uh, so he looks uh, all uh, so he looks like the great and uh, terrible Oz. Yes, exactly. Uh, well, there's That's really cool. no segue from you making out with your teddy bear to no. Barack Obama's tax cut. Um, there's just no way I could do that. Uh, I will actually ask this. Yeah. In this whole haze of the uh, the GM and the bailouts and AIG and all that, I think the whole tax cut thing. It's like this weird sort of, it's like when uh, ninjas throw down the smoke cloud and then they vanish. I don't even really know what the tax cut ended up being at this point. Because during the campaign, there was that website right. you could go to where it's, and he kept saying, under my administration, 95% of Americans will get a tax cut. And I don't even know if that ended up just being like a big lie or whatever. It, 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 seems, it could be true. You know, it, it, it depends on how you, how you calculate it, but it, it is possibly true. It, it's a lot of Americans. And the deal is it's $400 per person. 800 per family over the course of a tax year. And the way they're uh, instituting it is spacing it out basically over your paychecks for the rest of the year. So what you'll see is 10 or 15 bucks um, a bump in your paychecks from here. You should from here on out. Uh, the deal is you've got $75,000 um, or less. If you make that amount, you will get this tax cut or you're supposed to uh, $150,000 per family. But the deal with it, it's supposed to start coming into paychecks by now or or whatever your next paycheck is. 
But, you know, I called the IRS yesterday, and I said, how are you guys? Are you guys checking this? Do you know if people or employers are doing this? And it was a hilarious day of phone calls back and forth, and finally they were like, no, <laughs> we, we, we're no. encouraging them to. Uh, so, you know, if, if you don't see a little bit of a bump in your paycheck in the next couple of weeks, you got to talk to your boss because uh, you'll be the one checking. All right. I'll, uh, I'll get Mr. Moonves on that. Uh, right, right, exactly. Away. And I have to mention another quick story also today. Some people might have heard about it, and probably Tim's reported that uh, Alaska Senator Ted Stevens, man, lucky devil, the new attorney general is dropping the indictment against him. Wow, really? I hadn't heard that one. Yeah. How about it? He Because... The deal is, remember, he was convicted on seven corruption charges, convicted, done. And he's appealing that conviction because the prosecutors uh, didn't tell defense about some of the evidence they had. Oh, there's like a they didn't uh, disclose or whatever that's, that's right. called. They, yeah. You know, they hid the evidence is how the defense puts it. And and, it, and it, they really messed up the case. And, and it's a real problem in appeal. And now the attorney general is saying, uh, basically, you, you can't hide evidence. And here's what happens, prosecutors. I'm going to drop the case. So wow. don't do this anymore. That's one of those where the big karmic wheel lands. It's like in Vegas when it every now and again it does land on that weird double zero green thing. On yes, the, uh, that's exactly. Wheel. It is oh, unbelievable that Ted Stevens walking away, no problem. Well Never, done, Ted Stevens. All right, fantastic. All right, Lisa, and thank you, really, and I mean this with absolute sincerity. Thank you for just, just one of the best uh, segments we've ever had with you. Oh, great. All right. Uh, whatever whatever you do, don't feel awkward about this uh, for the rest of the day. That would be wrong. I'm going to try. All right. Thank you. Okay. Lisa Bye. Desjardins, ladies and gentlemen. There could be an endorsement deal for those Vermont teddy bears coming out of that. Yes. The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Look at an AE on that right now. Weblog, streaming, podcasts, and complete archives of everything. Visit the Rick Emerson Show at KUFO.com. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Rock 101 KUFO. So I was looking at this. It's like an advice column here in the Unzip uh, magazine. How do I tell my mom I did gay porn? Which seems like a niche uh, sort of question at best. It really seems like there's a, probably a very finite uh, percentage of the population that needs to have that uh, problem addressed. But, you know. Yeah, I get those are questions that need to be answered by someone. I don't I su- know. The, the porn industry is pretty big. I su- No, that is true, I suppose. So, uh, all right. Well, there you go. Uh, you know, it's like everything I say is about to come out as a bad pun, so I feel like I have to stop it. I was going to say, and there is, I don't even know if I and should say it. it's all because of Bo Breedlove. Will you guys vote? Should I say the bad, should I say the comment I was about to say? Yes. yes. All right. I was going to say, when you noted that the, the porn industry was, you know, very big, a lot of guys have, you know, done gay porn, or maybe, maybe, uh, probably, I guess by definition, there would be more guys who've done gay porn than who've done straight porn. So maybe, I mean, the issue of the, breaking the news to your parents or something is probably more prevalent in the gay porn industry, because I was going to say... Well, Sarah, you're right. It is uh, it is an industry in which there's a lot of turnover. Thanks. Thanks so much. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, it's Wednesday morning. Who might this be? Hi, this is Dan. Hello, Dan. How can I help you today? Well, I had a question for uh, you and Sarah, actually. By the way, congratulations on all the uh, rampant su- success. Thank you. Uh, you're very welcome. Hey, uh, I, uh, I know uh, Sarah's punk rock show is uh, presenting X next week at the Crystal Ballroom. Uh, the band X, legendary yes, punk indeed. band from Los Angeles, yes. Oh, uh, it's the, one, of, uh, one of America's greatest rock and roll bands. And I wanted to find out if there were any plans to have any of the band members on either your show, Rick, or Sarah's show on Sunday night. So Sarah uh, Dylan, along with Lisa Wood, does the punk show right here on this very fine radio station, Rock 101 KUFO, Sundays 7 to 9. 
So X is coming. So are you guys are yes, you going to be doing indeed, an interview? Yes, We uh, on the Punk Show are going to be interviewing the band. They're coming into the studio, and we're going to uh, have a live interview with them. I believe. Um, and well, maybe live it might be taped, but regardless, yeah, we are having an interview with them. So there you go. They oh, will be on the Punk Show. Oh, very cool! I can't wait to hear it. Thanks oh man, so yeah, we're so excited and nervous. <laughs> Oh, I've met them before. They're very nice people, so you'll do you'll do great. Cool. So there you go. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, there you go. 503-733-2970. Well, your interview with, what's his name, HR from Bad Brains went pretty well. Yeah, he was cool. And, like, Tony mm-hmm. Alva was really cool, too. Like, we keep meeting all these people. Everyone's like, oh, you know, they're, they sometimes are known to be, you know, jerks about things. Well, but, but it's not even that they're jerks. I think it's, I mean, they can be. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of times, don't you figure it's just because they deal with one jackass DJ mm-hmm. after another. And everyone has been super cool that we've talked to. I mean, it's been really fortunate. Because they get a lot of that, so, do you like to rock? Mm-hmm. You know, and then it's like, how many times can you just hear? And this next week, we're interviewing Pennywise. Nice. Well, all right. I then. know. That's La-di-da. a little racking too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What band members could turn down being interviewed by two girls on a punk show? No, there's the answer <laughs> to that is uh, no one, Tim. No one at all. But well, it's like you know we had the, when we did the Tommy Lee thing a mm-hmm. couple weeks ago or whatever, and you, you probably you know he always is talking to these chuckling jackass morning nitwits who are like, so tell me about that sex video or you know something, and so rarely, I shouldn't even say this on the air because it's like I'm because then I'm giving help to morons everywhere who do radio shows, but the the key is not like I'm brilliant or whatever, but the well, key. Well, you're not a moron. No, I'm not, Tim. I like to think that I'm at least one shade above. I'm somewhere between imbecile and uh, you know and simple nitwit. The key to talking, in my opinion, the key to talking to anybody who's a musician or makes their living in the music industry, is just to talk to them about music because that's the that's the problem is that nobody ever asks them about that, especially if they're a rock star or if they have any kind of infamy or notoriety for something other than music like Tommy Lee or uh, you know or you get a, a musician who maybe he's done um, you know he's dated somebody famous and so the problem is that you just get uh, people on presumably on a music station who will talk to a musician about anything but music it's like Cameron Crowe was talking about that that's the reason he made almost famous is mm-hmm. because he said he saw he kept seeing one film after another about life on the road with the rock band and it was showing everything but, like, actual music. And he never really conveyed the fact that people get into music because they love it. And so if you're just – if you can just make that one small concession to, you know, uh, normalcy by talking about actual music with bands, I think that they, they typically end up being pretty pretty amenable just because the bar is set so low because they're just surrounded by – did you have some – what was that horrible sound effect you were playing earlier? Oh, my God. Was it the – was that a morning show prep service sound effect? Um, Let me see. How about uh, – should I play – the sound effect, Jack the Ripper. Now, what is what? What, what is that? Sounds like someone trying to pull a nail out of a piece of wood. I think it's someone. I think it's a poorly constructed fart sound. But I mean, is that from is that from a like it's, a comedy service or yes, something? Yes, it's from a um yes from a yes a comedy service. So it's a it's that a, gives us audio from lots of laughs. It's a let's just call it lots of laughs. Not Bitman. No. Uh, it's from the lots of laughs. L A F F. S uh, comedy service, uh, which uh, provides uh, content and amusement to. Uh, yes, in 2009, mo- here's what they also think lasts for comedy. I don't understand. So they just excerpt that. So that's just on the comedy service it's for radio like shows to drawings. use. It's a giant page full of things. Uh, 
Let's see. And by the way, we should say that we're not uh, that we're not sort of making this up. This is actually a morning show prep service. This is a morning show. This is a legitimate morning show prep service that you can like also book celebrities through and stuff and like all kinds of crazy stuff. And this is all updated daily. In case you are feeling like a Sylvester the Cat sound effect is just what your 21st century radio show needs to be uh, to be funny. How about this one in 2009? Oh God! First of all, that doesn't even sound like Mel Blanc. Neither of those did. I think those are. I think that's sort of like. Um, like when you buy, a, like when you buy what you think is a popular song on iTunes, and then it's just some uh, some jerk who's oh, done it a, in his that's garage. That's a dollar store version of Mel Blanc. That, that's a, that's what it is. It's not it's a, a checkout. Or like maybe Mel Blanc's kid, you know, son of Mel or something, who's done that. That doesn't even really sound like it's uh, like it's vintage audio. Um, there is one that's uh, specifically for April Fool's Day. Is this so? This is this a sound effect or is this like a liner? This is called uh, April Fool's Day sponsor Twitter. Happy April Fool's Day. Here's the sponsor you'd be better off without. Original comedy bit. This April Fool's Day program is brought to you in part by Twitter. Because after three words, no one's listening to you anyway. LMFAO. Wow. You know, you can tell it's funny because they can sort of laugh at the end. That's uh, that's how you But it contains 100% pure grade A American comedy, Sarah. On that note, my friends, we will get caught up on the other side. Tim Riley with news, Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer, and an air check that is either embarrassing or glorious or both. Our good friend Lisa Wood, stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO live from Portland, Oregon. It's Wednesday morning. Stay with us. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. It is Wednesday morning here in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Hello, Tim Riley. What stories might you be working on for the edification of the people today? A man chokes to death while putting bait in his mouth. Get ready for an attack of the dreaded corn thicker. Bail is at a $2 million for the father and son beating and carjacking team who left the skier for dead and were caught in Mexico. A Salem woman claims she was driving 100 miles an hour to teach her grandson a lesson about speeding. And a task force calls for a slimmer Oregon. But is it too late? Fantastic. So that's all on the way, as well as Dorothy Carcassari from the National Inquirer, ladies and gentlemen. Don't forget, coming up at 9, Smells Like the 90s, uh, with our good friend Buzz. All right, so speaking of uh, KUFO colleagues, yes. friends, and coworkers. So I haven't heard these yet. So uh, our friend Lisa I have, Wood. I, I haven't let you let you or Tim listen to them. I want to be able to kind of hear them uh, to, to get my, my honest impressions, because we're, we're terrible actors here. So Except for Tim. Uh, so I can, so I'd like to sort of honestly hear it for the first time on the air. So Lisa Wood, who is the promotions director and who also co-hosts the Punk Show with Sarah on Sunday night, has worked at a lot of radio stations, as of many of us, and she was, she was at a bunch of stations in uh, in Seattle, KSW, KUBE, KJR. Yeah, Lisa's worked in radio yeah, for like over ten years, I know. And so these are uh, some of these are unlabeled. This like this one just says, I don't know anything about these. It just says air check one. So do you know where this is from? Um. This one, I think, might be... This one's from Cube, Okay, so I believe. I don't know from how long ago. KUBE, which is a... Uh, KUBE. I still listen word. to it. Word. Uh, it <laughs> it's a, a sort of a rhythmic uh, urban station. Kind of, when, I was, uh, when I was kind of spending time in that area, it was sort of like a, a, a more of a dancey station. But, it, it's, but it's, certainly, uh, it's certainly not a rock station, which is sort of... I think that is, the, that is probably the area to which she is typically drawn. But, of course, at radio, you just kind of go wherever the gig is. And I guess the gig was at KUBE. Am I potted up over there? Yes. All right. So this, ladies and gentlemen, uh, is our good friend Lisa Wood from X number of years ago. I like this already. God, I wish I had a drum roll or something because I'm going to play Craig David after the break, the new song, Fill Me In. But he is coming here to Studio 93 on July 18th. Yeah. She sounds a little high-pitched there. It's uh, She's very uh, she sounds very girlish in this. Yes, in 
the house was Cube 93. In the house. Mike David, the hottest man, sexiest man. Women, you've got to get down here and meet him. And God, can he sing. Go to any Sam Goody location to enter to win. And also keep it here for the Pick a Ticket Beat the Bomb contest. We'll be giving away tickets for that as well. Coming up, new music from Alicia Keys and the man himself, Craig David. I'm Lisa Wood, Cube 93. I, okay, I was unclear as to whether this was a live talk break she was doing or whether it was a like a promo. Edit. What type of music is that? It's uh, it's a. Uh, it's the the hip and the hop. It's a uh, something that a white person might shake their backside to. I yes, Tim. I believe it's a at, at this time was called Churban, which is sort of a it's like an Churban? urban it's like an urban top forty. Um, you know, CHR, which is kind of the, the industry name for top forty radio. So it was a CHR like a top forty leaning urban or rhythmic station. So, but so was that pre-recorded or was that live? What she was just doing there, I couldn't really tell. I could hear edits. I don't think it was live. Uh. New music from IMX. Clap your hands. Get ready to fly, fly, fly away to see the best team in baseball. Details are on the way. I can't possibly be the Mariners. Cube 93. How can I trade these tickets for the summer jam tickets, girl? Well, see how you are. I know. Wow. So come on, girl. Look me up. I have my... Boy, the things we do to pay the rent. I know. My one ticket. Yeah, right. You know your whole family's hooked no, up. Come on, man. sir. It is just me. If I had an extra, I'd give it to you. Yeah, I'm still trying to get there, though. I ain't going to give up, though. So you're going to hear me buzzing that phone. Get ready, three. I want to go to summer jam. Oh, and you want your damn summer jam. I want my damn What's your damn summer jam. Summer Jam. Ten players are doing all That's do great. for Summer Jam. How crazy would you get for Summer I, Jam tickets? You don't know. I would walk butt naked and pick up smoking Teridans down Broadway. What is it with radio people and and you know and, and listeners and contests being butt naked? There's some sort of strange attraction to that. And the uh, and the constant love of rhyming that seems to permeate this industry. Really hope so. We're laughing at nothing. <laughs> it is Seattle's number one hit music station, Cube 93. I'm Lisa Wood, and I'm just about out of here. I will see you today at Factoria at the Coca-Cola Pop Your Top Sticker Stop. Come on down, win some prizes, possibly even some summer jam tickets. Yes, I think so. And I'll also be back with you tomorrow. Take it easy, Cube 93. Oh, that's fantastic. It's actually, and you know, here's I the like thing. It. Well, and it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Let's, I mean, do, let's do one more then. Let's oh, do the drift on in. Are we just going to keep going until we find one that's, oh, Lisa uh, that's cringe inducing? I, I bet she's listening in her car right now, cringing. I mean, which I mean is a compliment because I mean, I, no, she's uh, anyone who can do like all those different types of formats. That's respectable. I mean, yeah, which to I, transform with your format, which I couldn't do. Uh, I don't think I've worked. That I couldn't format. do. Yeah. Tim was uh, perhaps not always able to successfully sell the concept that he was loving country music or the audience for whom he was playing it. So yes, they tuned in every night for more I mean, abuse. You would, I mean, <laughs> but if you listen to that, like if you, I'm not, I'm not saying she didn't like the job or didn't like the music. I'm just saying she is a, you know, she's a rock girl at heart. I mean, that's kind of her deal. You know, she is a, she lives the rock and roll lifestyle, but she really does sell that convincingly. So I'm impressed. Actually, I couldn't do it. All right, this is, uh, is this also Cube? Yes. So this is our uh, this Lisa Wood from KUFO. Drift On In Casino is proud to present the mail review at the Drift On In Casino. Wow. And that's a great, you can tell it's kind of like a CHR rhythmic spot because it's got that thing where they're panning it. Back and forth. From left to right, and they're just like flanging it for no reason. Here every Thursday, back, back by popular demand. Come join us with the mail review. The hunks, the hunks of the Northwest <laughs> <Center>. <laughs> The Mail Review is the number one rated all-male dance show. Number one. There's the Drift On In live, live this Thursday for Ladies Night. 
get there early because the first 95 women get in free. I wonder who the first guy in radio was to accidentally echo the words that he said. <laughs> and then he just decided that everything in radio for all time, all time, needed to be echoed. Sometimes two and three times in a row. And then stuttered, 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 <laughs> and then that that would then that would then just be the format uh, you know, for all production. Here's on in-house all your favorite Vegas style games: Let It Ride, Caribbean Stud, Blackjack, Spanish Twenty One, Three Card Poker, and Aruba Stud. All jackpots are over a hundred thousand dollars, and they have the biggest selection of pull tabs. Come watch your favorite sports game on the biggest TV in the state. Free valet parking and the friendliest staff. The Drift On In Casino, located on 167th and Aurora, mm-hmm. Old 99. The See, Drift, on Drift On In Casino. Seattle. I have to say again, though, I just, I'm not, I'm not feeling the suck here. I'm just. Uh, no, I'm not saying the suck. I'm saying the hilarious. I, like it's from me. It, also, it's, I, it's amusing. I, I would say that it's not. I mean, it, 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 and I guess. I guess it is, again, a compliment to her, maybe uh, underlining again just how feeble, uh, certainly, I don't want to speak for Tim, but how utterly incompetent I was at working in anything that wasn't talk radio, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because I just, there was no way that I could do that. I mean, you've heard my commercials where I'm trying to sound, like, they would give me commercials to read, and I would they would just be awful, because I just couldn't do it. Lisa, though, see, she's a, she was a kind of a radio chameleon. She was able to vanish into that. I have to say it sounds good, so good for her. All right, well, her skill is her skill is our loss, I should suppose. We, yes, I, I guess we should say, did you want to do one more? I, I don't know. I, I just wonder if they're all going to be no, this, this well is, done. This next one's kind of her Eskimo. Okay, and, uh, and this is a reference to Tim's Eskimo commercial where you're, what is it, you're selling Jeeps or something? I, I think there were snowmobiles. Snowmobiles. Which one, is this Miss Rock or Skin Care? Um, Miss, Miss Rock. Okay, so this, uh, once again, uh, this is KUFO Promotions Director and co-host of The Punk Show, Lisa Wood. One of her old air checks. Welcome back to the 2002 Miss Pacific Northwest oh, pageant. It sure has been an oh, an exciting night, Carl. Almost as exciting as my second marriage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Cynthia. I heard you were like unlike. It. Okay, Carl. Back to the pageant. Well, I gotta put my hands in my pockets, cause here comes Miss Puyallup. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> That's something that no one has ever, ever. Ever said before. Well, it's I mean, every woman's dream, isn't it? Li- live, it is scripted, <laughs> ironic. No one has ever made any comment like I that know about Miss Buell. Right here. Uh, me myself, I'm waiting for Miss Ellensburg. Oh, long legs, smooth skin, and look at those amazing. Oh, Cynthia. Um... And it doesn't end there. Here comes one of the front runners, Miss Medina. You know, I'm no bulldike, Carl, <laughs> but if I had it my way. Oh, thanks, Cynthia. <laughs> what? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Now on to one of the more interesting contestants in this year's past. What radio station was this from? I don't from? know. I don't know. Well, that was certainly surprising. Uh, and a little heavier, too. I'd say so. Coming in at just over 4,000 pounds with a loud thumping sound, too. It's Miss Rock. Oh, wow. 99.9 KIS. Oh, I see. That's why. It's an edgy rock station. Oh, wow. <laughs> rattling the inside of my brain. All right. Jesus, God Almighty! Radio is just weird. And all that production sounds like the disturbed guy, by the way, because he does the. Uh, he's got the weird like ah, 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 thing. So, <laughs> well, there you go. The things we do to arrive where we are now, ladies and gentlemen. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Straight ahead, Dorothy Cassisari for the National Enquirer. Tim Riley will have more of your news. Smells like the '90s at nine with Buzz. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. 
It's the Rick Everson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for coming along. It is Wednesday morning. We're here in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Tim Riley's working on the following headlines on this Wednesday. We have some breaking news. A small plane has crashed in Newburgh. At least two people are dead. It hit a pole and crashed near Newburgh. This happened uh, northeast of Mountain Home Road near Bell Road around mm-hmm. 7.45 this morning. Uh, this uh, plane is a uh, let's say a Piper PA-22, and I looked it up. It'll carry three passengers and a pilot. So that just happened uh, just moments ago. Just moments ago in Newburgh. All right. So we'll have uh, more details on that coming up. All right. More uh, news from Tim Riley here in just a moment. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Who might this be? Hi, this is Bridget from oh. upstairs. Oh, I'm sorry. Is this uh, Hello, Bridget. Bridget, the, the butt-naked <laughs> traffic girl? All right. Very proud of that. So uh, this is Bridget who works upstairs, and if you if you go to KUFO.com or many of the other websites and you say to yourself, by God, that's a fantastic website, who is it that put this together and who oversees it on a daily basis? What talent they must have. Uh, that's Bridget. And if you were to ask yourself... Well, what did she do before she was doing this? Uh, you know, where is it? Where does Bridget come from? What might her background be? The answer might sound something like uh, like this. The Foster's Bocans, pure classic rock on a two for Tuesday. Couple from Aerosmith there. Chris Edwards, one egg traffic girl, standing by with a check on traffic. And you know, I usually don't abuse my stick. This hundred thousand watt stick we got this here. This is the uh, and just go on. Uh, a DJ and Spokane. Congratulations to Tammy, Joe, and Mark on their beautiful new daughter. Not embarrassing. Why do Tammy, Joe, and Mark all have a kid together? There <laughs> oh. we go. We're expecting it to be really ugly because it's very new. But uh, she's adorable. Mom's doing great. Everybody loves Tammy, Joe here. She works here. So everybody loves her. So it's only a matter of time before she got pregnant. So we're all happy for her. I just think it's great. And uh, Mark, the husband, like, stays in the delivery room while she's having the baby, which just creeps me out. I can't imagine doing that. So, way to go, Mark. The best part is how you're gamely... you find that uproarious. Playing, I'm, uh, playing along with, uh, with, so, with the illusion that he, is, uh, that he is amusing. Oh, boy. Well, as a butt-naked traffic girl, she would find really anything funny. See, and you really you get points right now for referring to her, you know, her as a separate person, for actually doing like a little third-person deal there. So, when you, uh, when you took that gig at the station, was that your first job there? Or were you like an intern or something? How did you start at that station? Well, I was the sales assistant, and... That's always the road to happiness. Yeah, there we go. And they got rid of their traffic person. Like, in 10 minutes before the traffic needed to be read, they pretty much just asked me to do it. And they were like, uh, you there, can you speak? Uh, All right. You can read? Yeah. You are going to do traffic. I was like, okay. So he's kind of throwing it to you like you're in a helicopter or something. Where were you? I was in my office. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's theater of the mind right there. Because I was sort of imagining you would at least be, I don't know, at some some news desk somewhere, where like at some, I don't know, traffic central where phones were ringing and there were maps on the wall showing you where the congestion was. Nope, nope. I would shut my door, pull up traffic, and call in. That's great. When? So did you replace a previous butt naked traffic girl? Oh no, no, no! I I was the you the created original. The original. Please yeah. tell me that was someone else's idea. It was not my idea. All right. Whose idea was that? Was it was it the DJ or was it someone else? It was the DJ. Yeah. And now they're a franchise. Yeah, exactly. Now he's yes, he's trademarked it. They're gonna have those gonna be uh, right next to a Quiznos everywhere you go. <laughs> so how did he break the news to you that you were going to be the butt naked traffic girl? Was it a question or did he just tell you? He just told me and he did it on air. Wow. And so how did that conversation how did that conversation go? Did he bring you on and he say, "Hey, uh, what do you suppose we call you the uh, butt naked traffic girl?" We did the big afternoon the two for Tuesday. 
he was like, hey there, uh, you're uh, you're sounding good this morning or this afternoon. I was like, yeah. <laughs> I like the way naked? you talk. Yeah. Are you naked? And I was like, wow. Um, yeah. Well, it's the butt naked traffic. I was like, uh, oh. No, you can <laughs> never. Like, oh, I chose poorly. Yeah, you can, yeah this, seriously, when the guy asks, it's like in Ghostbusters. When they ask you if you're a god, you say yes. And when the DJ asks if you're naked, you say no. You say no, and I just came from a burn clinic, Ted. Uh, you wouldn't want to see me. Because you just because then he'll just latch onto that. I was just attacked I'm, by a chimpanzee. I was, like that. I was burning off warts. Uh, I don't know. That's fantastic. Oh, yeah. well, well, you know, you really deserve like a purple heart, though, for playing along with that. Yeah, the the conversation I had with my parents who live in uh, Coeur d'Alene, so in earshot right. of Spokane Radio. Hey, Mom and Dad. Uh, I got a job in radio. That's the good news. <laughs> Did they tell their... Uh, did they tell their friends that their daughter was the butt-naked traffic girl? I think as far, my dad would only say I did traffic on one of the stations. Excellent. My mom found it hilarious and would tell everybody. I think it was even in, like, the, the Christmas newsletter she sent out. And Bridget is the butt-naked traffic girl. <laughs> I can so see her riding in the Christmas parade with Santa Claus. <laughs> the, uh, how did, were you, that's the sort of thing that I would imagine you get any number of, uh, Probably moist and creepy emails from listeners. Oh, it was, you know what, a high point of my career. Did they pack you off to remotes? Uh, the butt-naked traffic girl will be there. Come on, I'm going to stick yeah. her. Every Sunday, I was at a biker bar. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I thought I was going to get kidnapped and have <laughs> horrible things done to me. And then, you know, and there would just be some guy probably standing about 15 feet away on the opposite side of the bar, not actually speaking to you probably for most of the just staring, just staring. Oh, yeah, I, I was told and asked questions that I could never say on the air. What's yeah, the, she told me, you told me about the mattress thing. What is the mattress thing? Yeah, the cleaned up version of that is he... This is, listener, uh-huh. a fan, one would say. An enthusiast. Uh, he came up and he was like, hey, uh, butt naked traffic girl. Oh, uh, yeah? Uh, so I had a dream about you last night. Like, oh, great. This yeah, is going to go wonderful. somewhere Mormon fuzzy. Um, yeah, and you owe me a new mattress. Uh, <laughs> uh, radio rules. <laughs> yeah, All wow. Right. Gosh. Thank right. you, I guess. Right. I'm going to... No, no, no. No, thank you, Bridget. Thank you. All right, thank you. <laughs> Anytime. Uh, there's uh, Bridget from upstairs. That's fantastic. Nice job on handling the gross stuff. Yeah, and yeah. they go, Cammy, to actually have a baby. Yeah, yeah. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. More of your phone calls ahead. News from Tim Riley. Don't forget, at 9, it is Smells Like the 90s with Buzz. And stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show, live from Portland on Rock 101 KUFO. In the news with Tim Riley. Breaking news now a small plane crash in Newburgh kills at least two. This plane, the Piper PA 22, which holds four, hit a pole. This happened about an hour ago at Northeast Mountain Home Road near Bell Road, according to the FAA. They say the small aircraft may have lost power, did a steep drop, and crashed right in front of the home. I was going to ask why how that would have been, so it must have been, it must have just not been able to stay airborne, and it was, I don't know, they were trying to get to the street or something. And there they there is an airport not far from there. It's Workman Airport. They just, just ascended faster than they had, or faster than they intended to for some reason, or they just hit the, uh, hit the pole on the way down. Mm-hmm. Mm. Here's some uh, more bad news for Portland employees of the Avarice Pipe and Steel Mill. They're going to lay off 220, 225. Good news, 100 employees will get their jobs back 
as country coach of Lane County files for Chapter 11. And that huge nut recall widens as one million pounds of pistachios are impounded. Then we have that man in Ohio riding a motorcycle. I should say not a motorcycle, but a motorized bar stool. That's right, a motorized bar stool. But he crashed it and hit his head. Apparently made the contraption out of an old lawnmower. The man had allegedly been drinking, set it for DUI. This 911 call was placed by the man's friend, and the operator originally thought the man had fallen off a bar stool. 911. I had a friend here who wrecked a bar stool, hit the pavement with his head. Okay, but he fell just from the bar stool? Um, no. He was driving he was it. Riding a bar stool. Okay. <laughs> like, totally nonplussed by it. Police emergency. We're sending a squad over there for a gentleman who wrecked him a motorized bar stool. He wrecked him a motorized bar stool. Gee, gong golly. All right. Well, there you go. It, Imagine that. No, I was not drunk when I wrecked it. Was that the first time you had ever crashed one? Yeah. How did it crash? I honestly don't know. Actually, I drank <laughs> quite a bit after I wrecked. Because my head hurt so bad, I went in and I drank a half a bottle of whiskey. What do your friends think about it when you tell them the story? Oh, they all got a big laugh out of it. What happened to the motorized bar stool? It just broke a handle off of it and it's fine. Are you going to take it out again? Not in Nork. Yeah, every man does have a dream, by the way. And I like the idea that his dream was to, in fact, just put a bar stool on. Like, what was his ultimate goal with this, do you suppose? He really didn't say. I mean, was he going to be entering it in some sort of a local automobile fair of some kind? All right. And what nuts is it that I'm supposed to be avoiding, Tim? Uh, pistachio nuts. Pistachios. Oh, speaking of pistachios, I have a sounder that's uh, April Fool's Day specific from this audio company. Oh, is this from the this is the morning uh, pre- pre- the preparatory service? The of America. Happy April Fool's Day. Here's a sponsor you'd be better off without. Original comedy bit. Is this going to make me cringe? I don't know. This April Fool's Day program is brought to you in part by the Pistachio Growers of America. <laughs> Sorry. Wow. Hello, Weenie and the Butt. Jesus. We have a show. The best part is that they tag everything with that weird metallic laugh Should sound at the end. Should we since this will only be available on April Fool's Day? Yes. I wonder if they're trying to establish if they put that echoing laugh thing so that it's like their trademark. So that, you know, when this uh, when this wacky bit about pistachios propagates itself across the country yeah. because it is top-flight comedy. When they're parodying it on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, they all know whence it derived. We'll talk about wacky this radio April Fool's Day program is brought to you in part by the Pistachio Growers of America. <laughs> Sorry. And there's a fart noise there for there's no reason. Fa- oh. Well, there has to be. <laughs> it's like a rule. All right. Yes, Tim? Uh, fans of Miami allowed a radio DJ to rip off their eyebrows in exchange for <laughs> tickets. The rules for the Brows for Brothers Challenge <laughs> stated that one eyebrow must be removed in exchange for one ticket. In a video posted on the website, a devoted mother named Mindy had both eyebrows ripped off for her daughter to see the Jonas Brothers while exclaiming, ouch, after the second eyebrow was waxed. Her daughter looked on and squealed with delight. A man named Ed also sacrificed both eyebrows for his daughters. This is the Brow for Brothers Challenge. It came after more than 800,000 tickets were sold when they went on sale. Massive arenas in more than 10 major cities already sold out. The Jonas Brothers kick off their tour in Dallas, Texas. All right. I saw a guy eat a bowl of live beetles one time for Garth Brooks tickets. Just filled with a deep and abiding sense of shame sometimes. And she yelled, ouch, while the daughter squealed with delight. Come on, and the party goes. 
It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. It's the O'Neaters. Back after this. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Radio Show. Join us tomorrow when our guests will include Kelly Clark from the Willamette Week and I guess uh, Dorothy Carcassari from the Inquirer uh, tomorrow, not today. Also, we didn't get to the top five, but that is through no fault of my own. Uh, we had a technical difficulty. These large sections of one of our uh, network drives uh, just uh, sort of went down today. They just uh, bit the dust. So I think there's a whole bunch of stuff. Apparently, there's a whole bunch of things that are supposed to be playing in the 9 o'clock hour that are just not there. So... So oh, be listening for a, a somewhat fluid playlist later on in the day. You know, if I didn't think it would just make us come off like absolute jackasses, because I would try to be doing it ironically. You know what a radio station ought to do is rather than like letting them pull your tongue out for, uh, you know, for Britney Spears tickets or something, they ought to just do that for a radio job. You know what I mean? Hey, we've got a we've, we've got a voice tracking job on the overnights. Will you let us cut off one of your fingers for it? What would you do for a low paying job in radio? Would you set your crotch on fire? Come on down to the WZFY parking lot this weekend. Just a thought. See, now I'm going to say that, and then, like, Clear Channel's going to do it. So, all right. Uh, we want to thank Cena Radio Correspondents Lisa Desjardins, as well as James Roop and Amanda Moyer. Uh, uh, did we have anybody else today? I don't think we did. It was Dorothy Carceri. That's tomorrow, though. Lisa Desjardins. Lisa Desjardins. And her teddy bear. <laughs> Rick Emerson Show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for Rock 101 KUFO. In the newsroom, Tim Riley. On the phones, Richie Bristol, the gatekeeper, Dave's in. The webmistress, Bridget from upstairs. CBS Radio, Portland marketing guru, Susan Don't F With Me Reynolds. Executive producer, Christopher J. Paddock. Smells Like the 90s is next with Buzz. Thank you for listening. See you all tomorrow. It is April 1st, 2009. And that is the frequency, Kenneth. Thanks for listening. See you all tomorrow. Bye.